Welcome to the latest episode of the R. Bill Simmons podcast. And we've got a special one for you today because everybody, we've seen Bill's face plastered all over Twitter. We had a fantastic game for people that are fans of rooting against Bill in that Game 7 loss. Uh, Bill got so psyched. He was so happy. He was on the bandwagon once again after he hopped off Game 3 and said the Celtics season was was done. He got back on. It was such a perfect ending to the season uh, for everyone who loves ragging on Bill. So we had to do a podcast for this. This is going to be a two-parter. And the first part we're bringing in, um, I wanted to bring in both the Celtics fan, um, Rock and Roll. You you came on the pod a couple of episodes ago, gave us some great content, and – we're going to hear from you in a little bit on um, how it feels to both root against Bill, but also be a Celtics fan. So what's going on, man? Yeah, great to be back. Um, yeah, I mean, I can offer a little bit different perspective than Bill just because I actually never bought in. I'll, I'll tell that part of the story, and uh, it's going to be fun. Love it. And then we also got Tom here, new guest on the pod. Uh you, we have been DMing back and forth for a while now. You you were early on kind of interacting with us on Twitter and retweeting us. And you uh, messaged me uh, today, basically said, look, like when you guys record a new pod, I want in um, because it seemed like you were pretty hot from the uh, kind of the events of the past uh, the past day. So welcome aboard and happy to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Uh, longtime supporter. Uh, longtime hater of the Bill Simmons podcast, hater lover. It's <laughs> it's a love hate relationship, uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yesterday was electric. I love it, and and yeah, for the audience too. You guys both uh, have pods of your own, so if you want to pump those uh, later in the show, you can all do those. Um, for for me, you guys probably know me by now, but if you don't, I'm Tribe. Um, hang out in the sub. Uh, a lot of people know me from there, and so let, let's get into it here because. You know, obviously an amazing, an amazing day. I mean, we had the sub was on absolute fire. I think there was over 4,000 people there um, at once, which completely breaking a record. I mean, I I think that's way above what we've ever had. Um, Bill's face all over social media. And he he has now become a meme. I mean, the he has replaced the Michael Jordan crying meme. And to think about Bill, I mean, the the he he had that meme with him and uh, Kendall Roy. So basically, like Bill is now on that level of cultural relevance where he is really the face of the Celtics fan for everybody for eternity now, whether he wanted that or not. And I do have to give Bill credit as well because, you know, he he had all of that. He owned it. He quote tweeted that picture and he actually recorded the pod with his dad. Amazing. So uh, I listened to that multiple times today. I know you guys did, too. That was so fantastic. But um, yeah, just a glorious for for haters of Bill Simmons one, and really like yeah, like you said, it's not really hating; it's it's enjoying to hate on him and rag mm-hmm. on him. But for for those people with Bill Simmons, for the people that are frequenting the Bill Simmons subreddit, for the people that are listening to this podcast, what an amazing day! And then Tom, I want to start with you. Amazing day, especially for you because you are a Lakers fan. So not only do you have uh bill just being totally down in the dumps for a celtics loss but the celtics will not win that next championship uh to go against the the lakers all-time record as well so 
Um, want to start with you. How are you feeling today? And how, how did you enjoy both uh, the online reaction and then Bill's podcast with his dad? Honestly, it was everything I could have ever hoped for, really. I mean, when they went down 3-0, I, I had the utmost confidence that, that he was going to win that series because no one ever comes back down 3-0. Um, I even made a bet with a friend. I told him, I'd, you know, drinks on me tonight at Game 7 if the Celtics came back. And they didn't come back. It was close, though. I was really worried before the Game 7. I thought it was over. I thought the Heat had it in Game 6. That Derek White put back, I, I couldn't sleep. I just was all I was thinking about the night of Game 6. It was brutal. So being on the other side, knowing that the Celtics won't pass us in championships, at least for one more year, uh, it's really it's a great feeling. And in rock and roll, I mean, you as a Celtics fan here, so give us a little bit of your insight because yeah. you're watching this game, obviously rooting for your team. But yeah. it is it is nice for Bill Simmons to, to have a little bit of uh, disgust in his life, you know? Well, I mean, you said it best. Bill quit on the, Bill quit on the Celtics uh, down 0-3. Uh, allowed himself to he 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 was convinced they were going to win. Russillo asked him point blank, "So who wins Game Seven? And Bill gave a roundabout answer, basically saying, "You know why he thought the Celtics would win." Um, for me, you know, I I'm not surprised. I told my friends in like January, I said, "Hey, look, I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, I don't know how it's going to happen." But you guys are all saying the Celtics are going to win the title. And I'm telling you right now, I watch every game. They are going to get totally uh, ambushed by the, someone that you least expect. Uh, and they're all Philly Sixers fans. So that so uh, during that series, I actually thought that's when they were they were going to get beat. Um, and my, my Sixers friends just didn't believe it. And then when they got through it, you know, they all were like, you know, you're an ass. They're going to the finals. Like, and I'm like, no, trust me, they're not. So even last night, like, I mean, I, I bet, and I, I bet like four hundred dollars on the on the Heat money line. Like I was that positive. Uh, and that way, I set myself. I'm sick. I, I'm like, you know, hey, I don't care if they take my money and they go to the finals. But I had no doubts. Like that wasn't even like my buddies were all shocked that I would bet against them. And I'm like, I don't think they're going to win. It's a coin flip at best. Um, and then it played out how it did. And Tom, I don't think you have to worry personally. I don't see a, a title happening. You know, I don't think the Celtics under this current regime with, you know, with Tatum as the star, I, I don't think they're getting any closer than they did last year. That was truly their best shot. Um, and, and this year, I just, I, I knew they didn't have it. They're too bipolar. So I was never sucked in. And even though it sucks, I, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I agree. I think last year was their best shot, and man, that that finals was brutal. As, a, mm -hmm. as someone who doesn't like the Warriors or Celtics, that was absolute torture. Yeah. Um, but this year, when the Bucks went out, I was like, "Oh no, they were they were the only line of defense. Like, who's going to stop yeah. them in the East? Like Miami without Tyler Hero, you know, Trey Young, Joel Embiid. Like, no. Like, I was I was scared shitless to be honest. I thought it was over. You know, this was in round two. Like, I was like, "What? Mm -hmm. uh, my life is over." Like. I know the Lakers, like you know, we're we're cool, but I didn't I didn't think we'd make the finals. I definitely didn't think we could beat Boston. Yeah. So getting getting the Bill Simmons sad pod reactions after all that false hope that's really what makes it the best, right? Is that it wasn't just oh the Celtics got swept, right? That's disappointing. Like I was disappointed when the Lakers got swept, but when you have all that false hope of a week of buildup of like oh is this happening? Is this happening? Oh four Red Sox, Boston, what? And then it's just over. And correct me if I'm wrong. He slid out to Boston like a Mayflower in the night. 
Like, he did not tell people. Now, I, I thought to myself, you know, it's weird. Bill hasn't been out to Boston for a game yet. And he didn't mention that he's going to game seven. And, um, you know, sure enough, he pops up like a weed. You just you can't get rid of the guy in a big game. Uh, he did not. He was very unannounced with that appearance. He didn't say he was going. He didn't talk about it going on the pod. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to have to go now. Uh, he just popped up there. And so I thought that was kind of interesting from his past, uh, a stark contrast. And that was the only game he has been to this postseason, right? In, in I, I, he went to some Golden State Laker games, but that's the only Boston one that he's, he's been to. Very interesting. Yeah, and, and I did like how um, – so I was listening to I, – I, I swear I'm not this sick of a person, but because of the way that my Memorial Day plans uh, happened, I – I was able, I had a drive where I had, you know, half an hour plus to listen to something, but that was before Bill's pod uh, came out. So I listened to the game six after the game six pod, which I hadn't listened to over the course of the weekend. And yeah, Bill is very confident in the Celtics Mm -hmm. because he's basically implying that they have a pretty damn good chance of winning game seven. Um, Takes the complete positive view of what they would need to do. And it, it's funny because he he talks about how that home court doesn't really matter that much, but then he still picks the Celtics and thinks they're going to win. So I did actually like Rosillo there trying to pin down Bill for an answer. And, of course, he he's coming out positive. But I know I got I got to give him credit here, and I'm curious what you guys uh, think of the, the pod with his dad. But... I mean, I, it was so good. Let's do it twice. Um, it was amazing. But I, he, you know, he, him recording that pod, it, it almost, it, it kind of felt like it was almost a relief for him in the sense of, like, yes, he had just witnessed a massacre. It was brutal. But deep down, he probably knew that the Nuggets were going to beat them, especially because yeah. they had gone to a game seven. So deep down, it's sort of like, mm, you know what? I got to spend some quality time with my dad. We're having a fun recording right now. Um, I get to speculate more about the the, the Tatum and the Jalen to see if uh, they're going to um, to play with each other. And I'm not going to get beat down in five games or four games by joking in the Nuggets. Yeah, and he actually came out and said that. Uh, I, I believe he said, um, you know, whether they play the Heat or the Nuggets. Uh, I'm sorry, whether they play the Heat or the Celtics. I was I was picking the Nuggets. He, I think he said that. I'm almost positive. So well, which I, he was probably going to say anyway when they lost. <laughs> but right. yeah, I, he probably actually meant that. I, I agree with you. I think he probably thought that. My only regret with today's podcast with his dad is it was yeah, it was only 50 minutes. Um, I, I looked at where I was at in it, and I, there was like 30 seconds left. I'm like, oh, no. Uh, I could have gone for – I could have listened to three hours of that, you know, <laughs> um, which is, you know, it makes me a sick person. But <laughs> – yeah, I mean, he generally, like Tom was saying before the show, he acts like the thing that stuck out to me, he acts like that this is the first time he's ever considered breaking up the Jays, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, when, in fact, you know, he has been talking about breaking up the Jays every couple months, I would say, <laughs> since 20, since the bubble. Um, you know, so we're going on at least three years of that. So half Jalen Brown's time. Uh, but I, I think it's becoming a reality to him. Uh, and I, I do think that the Celtics will will do that. I think 
a lot of people on Twitter, um, you know, want want the Celtics to be loyal to Jalen. And I, I'm a guy like he is a Celtics fan. I would I would trade him. Um, I, I think oh, that, interesting. What? Yeah, so I, you would you would want him to be traded? I do. I, I do want to, uh, for better or worse. I, I like him, uh, but I would. I, I think that this nucleus of him and Smart and Tatum, they've gone as far as they can go, um, which is it's been a phenomenal run, you know. Uh, but I would actually, I would try to deal him to Portland. And Bill, Bill talked about it on the podcast. Um, he said exactly what I'd like to see him do: um, getting that point guard in the draft, maybe get like Anthony Simmons, and, and you know, getting that that third overall pick from Portland, or even seeing if Char- uh, Charlotte would take his salary on. Uh, I would not give give Brown a $300 million contract that it, because it'll really hamper what they can do with the roster, you know, in, in a year or two. So that's, uh, that's my take on it, but they can't really do anything anyway. That's what I'm thinking. Right. I, mean, I, think, I totally agree. Yeah. I just think that their roster is just tough. Like you really just have to blow it up. Like you obviously you keep Tatum. I think you keep white. Um, yeah. yeah. And you probably keep smart just because he's smart, but otherwise like I would let everybody, you know, see what the offers are. It's Same. tough. It's a tough team to build around. Like when your two best players or one of them can't dribble and then the other one, you know, sometimes is the best player on the planet and other times it's just like, eh, I'll just, you know, let Derek White run the show. So you need you need a more consistent guy next to Tatum. Yeah, and, and I'm a huge Tatum guy. Um, I have been since he came out. Um, but I totally agree. He's, he's one of the most enigmatic uh, superstars I've ever seen in my entire life. And you know, it was weird last night. Like, I get it. You hurt your ankle, and I know, I know it was a problem, and I know it hurts. But I saw a lot of comments saying, you know, Tatum's the the typical uh, Generation Z athlete, and I, I felt like I felt like some of those plays he was moving pretty good. I, I don't know. Y'all, I almost felt like a crutch for just an off night. Uh, I was disappointed. I was like, this is a chance to like cement a legacy right here. I mean, this is what stuff's written about. And um, I don't know. Yeah, he kind of deferred to, to the white and kind of limped on the ankle a little much for my liking. But. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. And, and it's funny because, uh, you know, the, the meme her- heard around the world, the, the infamous picture that Bill Simmons will, will never live down in his life now. So that, what, what's interesting about that one is I, I feel like part of that might be the realization that like Tatum is not a top three guy and might not ever be a top five guy. I mean, he's a guy that if you have the right team around him, you can win a championship. They did come close last year, but you're right. He's, you know, he's really volatile. He's not a guarantee um, to always be the, the alpha when you need him. Um, Jalen Brown's game was a disaster, of course, uh, last night. And so what I think with, with Bill is, you know, a common theme of his podcast over the course of these playoffs, and he, I think he did it again with his dad, is that Tatum has so much more growth left. But yet yeah. it was so odd to me when they're talking today as well. And, okay, so Jalen Brown has no growth left, so trade him away, good to go. He's actually regressing on defense. But yet Jason Tatum has all this growth left. So it was like that didn't make sense. I think Bill still – uh, is a little too, bit too positive and hopeful on Tatum. I will give Bill credit when he tell when his dad tries to push the blame for for uh, Brown's turnovers for his hand, and Bill goes, "Well, that would be a good excuse 
uh, except for he had him last year. So that kind of little exchange kind of makes me think when when we do hear Bill on the pod, um, you know, he's a less homerous version of his dad. So, mm-hmm. so he's hopped on and he's talking to his dad about the Celtics and then he goes to record. Like, you know, we think he's being incredibly homerish, but actually, you know, versus Dr. Bill Simmons, he actually isn't. Yeah, I actually felt – I feel bad for Dr. Bill. Um, you know, that, that you could tell how much he deeply loves him, even beyond his son. And, uh, yeah, like I I didn't I didn't actually take joy in listening to the hurt in his voice uh, quite like I do Bill's for some odd reason. I, I you know, I of all the guests, I mean, I, I really like when he has his dad on. Um, so, you know, that didn't uh, – that didn't do much for me, like just – just hearing him hurt uh, because he is the ultimate Celtics homer. Do you guys think this meme, the meme world around the world, like you said, do you think this is Bill's apex mountain? I mean, he surpassed Michael Jordan. How can it not be right? It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. I mean, and we, we, we had a, a, a listener actually um, came in and wanted to ask this on the pod. So I will ask you guys this because I mean, and I'll read this guy. He says, can I suggest a topic for the next pod? How Bill became the face for the Celtics loss. His sad photos all over social media. The TNT camera crew had to know what they were doing. And the TNT definitely knew what they were doing because they put Bill and his dad on Gone Fishing. So, yeah, so my question for the podcast in a weird way, is this a mini apex mountain for Bill to be the celebrity face of a sports franchise? I mean, I think the I think the answer is yes. The, yes, really incredible. Like he he is now in infamy, li- living with the Boston Celtics. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, who was the biggest Celtics fan before Bill Simmons? Like, is is it Ben Affleck? Like, yeah, yeah, it was. I would say Affleck. Uh, you know, maybe Wahlberg's brother. Uh, yeah, so I think yeah, Bill's surpassed those yeah, guys. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and he's leaning into it. I mean, he knows that. Uh, I, I don't think that he yeah took that in a negative light at all. I think he liked it. I was just disappointed he didn't retweet you. I forgot you're blocked. But uh, when I, when I first saw that, I I think you were on that about as quick as anybody tried. <laughs> and uh, when he retweeted that, I'm like, please say, please say it's the account. And then I looked at the icon, and it wasn't. Uh, no, he blocked, he blocked us a while ago. But um, yeah, no, I mean, like, and not not to toot my own horn, um, but I I will say, the Twitter account has gone. The Twitter account went from about seven hundred fifty followers to thirteen hundred at time of recording, just based on the memes alone last night. Just from last night, those nine eleven memes <laughs> are absolutely incredible. I mean, I could. I, I, I feel bad. I'm not trying to, you know, stoke your ego or anything by hitting that heart button. But I chuckle, you know, sir, another Struce three has hit the building. I mean, I mean, it's just chef kiss. It's as good as it gets. I appreciate that, man. And, yeah, and the one that really hit, and I think, um, I, I do actually agree with people that say the meme's starting to get overplayed. I do agree with that to an extent. So it makes it a great meme. Yes, but I, th- I think what you need to do is if, if you're doing the meme from now on, you need to have something like you've been hit by something. You need to – it needs to be the 9-11 like the building was actually hit. So it can't be just a normal normal one. So the meme that, – that the one that really took off last night 
that's got 2,000 likes and um, 120,000 um, views is the sir we've been hit by an eighth Jalen Brown turnover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the one I saw too. Yeah, that one. That good. really did it for people. Yeah, but I think well, now the people have a chance to too. calm down. Eight turnovers is absurd. Got eliminated. Um, so, sorry, I missed what you said. Uh, I, I said uh, I think the meme now will have a chance to calm down, right? Celtics got eliminated, right? So then the meme will slow down again, and then back in the off season, right? When some trade or whatever happens, it can come back up. Yeah, you know, in the the first uh, instance I remember of someone making a meme with Bill's face on the nine eleven one, it was when Tua had this amazing game. I think he I think he threw for like six touchdowns in the first half of a game. And it was right after Bill on Guess the Lines had like totally demolished Tua and said he was terrible. And that like totally took off the sub. So now now we're and like with the help of me and like some other people too, like I posted a lot. Um, yeah, it's it it we, we it got hot for this particular reason. The Celtics are 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 now uh are now left out there and we'll probably have to bring it back for Mac Jones when the Patriots have a bad loss. Um, yeah, so so let's let's talk about Rosillo here. Let, let's talk about the Rosillo piece of it all because um, Rock and Rolla, I talked to you some about Rosillo and Tom. Now is a topic that you want to hit on as well. So um, why don't why don't we actually, Tom? Did you listen to any of the Rosillo pod today? Yeah. Oh, uh, yesterday. Um, the one yesterday, from the Sunday one night. Yeah, I listened to the first half when they talked about the Celtics. I didn't listen to the CBA part. But I did look through the subreddit, like the podcast post. I saw someone called him uh, Rosillo Westbrook because of his uh, monologues. Because it's basically <laughs> your turn, my turn, right? That's what people are complaining about. They say that the Sunday pods have become Bill Simmons. He isos for a bit and then Rosillo isos for a bit. And it just repeats. I thought that was so funny. And it just it, it's always kind of been that way. So I don't know why suddenly now people are having a problem with it. Yeah, that's interesting. So you don't think much has changed. You just think people are noticing it. Yeah, it kind of feels like the turn on Russell Westbrook, right? Where people are like, oh, like, he's not good anymore. Except he actually became not good anymore. But with Russillo and Bill, right, they're basically the same, right? I've gone back and listened to, like, some old pods, like, just for shits and giggles, just, like, compare. And, like, you listen to, like, pods from, like, 2019, where the ones where everyone was so excited about it, right? Like, that was the peak, you know, 2019, 2020-ish. And it's the same. The pods are basically the same. I don't really see the issues. Interesting. Okay. You might have a little bit of a different view, Barcarola. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what he's saying, actually. I mean, maybe the hate uh, that's talked about on Twitter uh, in the in the Reddit forum between Bill and Rosillo, maybe people want that a bit more than it actually exists. But I do think, I mean, there are enough times I catch Rosillo getting snarky with Bill, and Bill takes it pretty well, uh, that I do think that there is a little bit of, I don't know, I, I think it's more than – Rosillo just kind of playing a character uh, at this point. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, there, there might be trouble in, in Denmark. Uh, but I feel like it when they, it's more noticeable than ever. It, it's, it's like their monologues no longer run hand in hand, uh, but they, they kind of crisscross. Like uh, it's just two guys talking, you know, at each other than having a conversation, you know, even when they take turns, that's the big thing I realized when I listened to them and I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, because it's like they're both stubbornly trying to drive home different points that don't relate. Well, see, so this is why I think I would lean to, to you, your point over Tom. So this, this is 
the most recent episode, um, you've got Bill. I think he was referencing. He was talking about Derek White. Maybe but he was talking about some player that had a rough time because he just had a kid. And then Rosillo didn't sell the joke. So mm. Rosillo was like, oh, everybody has kids. And what it reminded me of was when Bill infamously was interviewed in that big ESPN book by James Andrew Miller. And like his, his number one issue with the Monday Night Football booth with Tony Kornheiser, who's, who Bill is a big Tony guy still, is he was like, Mike Tirico never sold Tony's jokes. He let him out to dry. And I felt like Rosillo did not sell the Bill joke. Like, like let's let Bill cook. Who cares about the, you know, uh, cer- certainly the child probably affected the guy a little bit, but let's let him, let Bill talk. Like, you don't have to interrupt him and say, oh, well, everybody like, makes some snarky comment about that. So when I hear something like that, I do lean more towards maybe there is a little bit of trouble in paradise. And of course, they're still recording the pod. So it's not like anything major is going to happen anytime soon, but if there's a little bit less of a uh, of an of a working relationship there, you know that that could spell some changes in the future. Who knows? You know, you you don't know if Priscilla is gonna leave the ringer or not at some point in the future. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I think Priscilla honestly just didn't get it. It was a joke. I think that Bill, he says everything kind of the same way, so it kind of always sounds like a joke. So I think Ryan was taking it seriously because you know the Fred Van Vliet thing, where Fred Van Vliet had the kid and then he went crazy for the last you know round and a half of the playoffs or whatever it was. And so I think Russillo was just taking him too seriously. So that's just how I think Russillo is, right? He takes everything really seriously. He's always snarky. I don't really think he changes his attitude. Well, that's his problem, right? He's taking things too seriously. That that's why the sub has been kind of off on this guy because they're saying Bill's vibing. He's he he doesn't take things seriously enough. Um, <laughs> and and Russillo is just kind of like not. This is like not the right show for him to be on. Well, I mean, yeah, Russillo has been getting, I mean, the visions I have in my head of that always make me chuckle of him just, you know, grinding tape, watching a, a 2008 Charlotte Bobcats game um, to pick up on something. I, I feel like he's more, he's become more that than, than ever before. He's become a complete recluse uh, out in LA. You know, he's, he's watching tape all hours of the night. He's skipping social events to do so. I think that that's spot on as much as, as people come in and say, oh, there are Russillo defenders. I like him, but I, I do think that, you know, his life has become just mashing tape of NBA games, everybody and anybody. And he's still losing out to Bill for, yeah, for his post-takes, which is, which is rough. Yep. Um, now, now, Rock and Roll, you, you, uh, we talked before the, before we recorded, you wanted to hit on something, and I noticed it too. Um, you think Bill's dad was holding back uh, on the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It, uh, I listened to it a second time through to see if I was like just imagining things, but Bill uh, tries to get him to at least expand upon what happened with, with Ine Udoka. And, uh, you know, Bill's dad just goes kind of dead silent. And then Bill tries a second time to get senior to, uh, to weigh in on the situation. And he kind of pauses and then he says, well, I'll say one thing about Udoka, you know, he, he had him playing serious defense and that was the end of it. Um, and, and I, I was like, man, I wonder if he knows too much and he doesn't want to say anything because he wants to avoid possibly getting sued or, but that's what it felt like to me. 
Yeah, it it was ominously a boilerplate statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if we'll ever get our answer. I don't think no, we will. I, I would like to. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like eventually for the official story to come out. It, it is very – it's very strange that it seems as if every media member knows the story, but Yo. no one's actually willing to put it in print what actually happened. Yeah, it's weird. It's like <clears> – it's <throat> I feel like if Ime Odoka was a coach that won 20 ball games, there's a possibility that – and if he wasn't going to coach again in the NBA, but he literally was so good – such a prodigy, such a good coach. I have to say, he was a good coach. It's like he got a little different treatment, I feel like, than most coaches would get uh, because of the respect level he had as a coach. Um, otherwise, I feel like he may that story may have made its way out, but it was like, you know, this guy's going to go right into another job and we're going to let this be. We're going to let the, the Celtics issue the punishment. And if the league does something, the league does something. But the, like the media just, you know, gave up on what would have been, you know, a, a sad but a juicy story. You know, I think that, you know, we see things like that come out all the time by major reporters, and the fact that none of them broke it, definitely interesting. Makes yeah. you wonder what kind of blackmail he has on Shams. <laughs> right? Shams is usually all over that stuff. Yeah, he's shameless. Shameless, he one might say. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what's so odd is that why why isn't someone making a name for themselves and dropping the story? Right. Well, and, and the guy who I thought was going to do it was uh, was Chris Bar- was it, it was Barnes uh, with Chris the guy that's no 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 the guy that's on all the smoke with Stephen Jackson. Uh, oh, Matt Barnes. Barnes. I'm sorry. Yeah, Matt Barnes said, "Hey, I just heard what really happened, and if this ever gets out, he's never coached in the NBA again." And I thought he was going to go into it on their podcast, uh, but he never did. So, it, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that know at least more details than we do that that aren't expanding upon them. Yeah. All right, so, so Tom, let's, um, let's get to your insight as well here. As a Lakers fan, what was the 22 to 23 uh, season like for you with Bill? With Bill? Um, it was interesting for sure. I mean, I remember the beginning of the year, he said the worst teams in the league were the Rockets and the Lakers, right? When we were like two and nine or something. And I was like, okay, that's not disingenuous at all. Uh, I screen recorded that, knew that wasn't going to age well. Um, but I didn't see the turnaround that we had coming because I honestly just didn't think we were going to make a trade. So I thought Bill was going to get to enjoy ragging on us all year and he was going to, you know, have fun with that. But then, then there came a moment after the trade, right? We went on this run. We made the playoffs. We beat the Warriors. And the Celtics were down 3-2 to the Sixers. And I thought, how great would it be after all this time, all the jokes for the last year and a half or whatever, if the Lakers make it further and win more playoff games in this season than the Celtics do? And sadly, that didn't happen. But it was close. It was, what, uh, 11 wins versus 8. So that's pretty similar. Same round. But that would have been glorious. So overall, I think it's a success. I was happy with the season, right? So I know Bill wasn't. Um, so that's a win in my book. Now, and what did you think of Bill? Um, and he even admitted that it was kind of ridiculous, but the uh, the AD and MV trade. Oh no, it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. It's just not realistic. I mean, first of all, me personally, as, as a Laker fan, I wouldn't do that. I'm not a big Embiid guy. I think AD's better, and I've been saying this for years. And people people used to agree with me, and then they stopped agreeing with me because AD had these injuries and Embiid had these second runner up MVP years. And now they're agreeing with me again. But 
Uh, it's going to go back and forth for a while until one of them falls off. Um, but no, I don't like that. I don't generally these star for star trades never make any sense because either if they're too similar in their abilities, then one team will just think that theirs is better and they're going to be losing the trade. Or maybe sometimes one is just more valuable to their franchise because they've been there longer or something like that. Usually things like that are what ruins trades like that. So I just don't think that makes sense. Like I've heard a lot of like Jalen Brown for uh, Trey Young or Trey Young for Carl Anthony Towns and things like that. And just one for one star trades just are never realistic. In my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, well, that's why I think the Bill actually saying the Jalen Brown for the pick, like, that actually does make some sense. Does it, though? Because then what are the subs going to do with that, right? They'll have the pick, and Simons is cool, It's like, a, but it's another guard, right? So then they have Smart, White, Brogdon, and Simons, and it's like, okay, I don't know how you match, do what you do with that. You probably trade Brogdon or something. But well, any of this pick, smart? what? Can they ditch Smart somehow? Yeah, they yeah. could trade any of the guards, right? They they would. They would trade not white. White is the best one. But they would trade probably I think it's Brogdon, but maybe smart. Then you still have three guards and you have this pick, right? Which is probably Scoot, I think. Maybe it's a Brandon Miller. But like I don't know how much that's gonna help you. Brandon Miller's gonna be like another Jalen Brown, right? And then Scoot is another guard and they're a rookie, so they're not gonna be that good right away. And you still have Joe Missoula. I don't know. I think it's rough. I really don't see a Jalen Brown trade. I've been talking about this with a Celtics friend of mine, and no trade really makes sense, but you don't want to let him walk, right? You lose the asset. But you also can't extend him because it's $300 million, so they're kind of screwed. Yeah, they're screwed. They're totally screwed, and they're screwed to the point where Bill touched on this, and I agree with him. You almost can't even negotiate because if it gets back to – and you know how the NBA is so much different than, like, baseball or football. If it gets back to Brown that the Celtics were shopping him in the lease, it's going to create – a friction that I think they can't recover from because you have to remember back before the season started, I think there was legs to, I think the Celtics did talk about, you know, can we get Duran in here by, by shipping Jalen to Brooklyn? And I think that, I think that Tatum might've even been like, okay, if you can do it, you, you know, you've got my sign off on it. And I think that that all, you know, Jalen knows that stuff. He knows that like, yeah, like me and Jason are fine but he wanted me traded for KD. And I think that that took some uh, – I don't even know if you really fully recovered from that. Maybe we learned the truth after Jalen leaves. But the Celtics recovered enough that he at least will still play for them. I think if they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar again, shopping him, they've almost got to trade him because, you know, like Bill said, he just you, – you can't, you can't come back from that again. So. I don't think Jalen's the type to request a trade, though. He's a free agent in a year, right? I think if he feels like he's not wanted, he'll just walk if he doesn't sign an extension, of mm-hmm. course. Um, he's He's been really cryptic with, like, his press yeah. conference talking about. So, yeah, it doesn't look good. Wait, and so I think, I think Jalen won't want much to the city anymore. Oh, what's that? <laughs> well, well, Bill, Bill's classic thing was that Jalen Brown means so much to the city of Boston. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, and Jalen, Jalen got uh, – he's been critical of the, of the Boston fans uh, a few times. I mean, they're, half the fan base uh, has kind of turned on him, um, and the other half, you know, thinks he's better than Tatum. Uh, you know, I, I'm not in either of those camps. I like him fine. I don't think he's better than Tatum. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting year for, for Brown in Boston. And I do think that they're – you know, he's like anybody else. He – probably feels like he could climb into that top 10 if he was, if he had his own team. Um, I think part of like maybe the idea of going to a Houston or a, a team where he could be the true one, a every night 
I think that probably sounds pretty good to him. Can he get like, to the top 25 first? Like, I'm with you. I mean, I I think he's – I think he's like the low end of the top 30. I don't think he's ever going to be a top 10 guy. Even if, if he had his own show, he, he would find out how ugly it can get. No chance. He can't dribble. Can't dribble. He can't pass. I mean, he – he does not. He does not make good passes a lot of times. In it's just mindless shots from three. You know where you're not running the offense. You're not using the clock, passing, moving the ball. Just I don't know. Put him on okay, a team no. with no spacing, you'd be terrible. Yeah. No, that's a good point, and I I did agree with this. Uh, and, and it was funny. So I watched. Uh, not I didn't go to the game, but I watched the game with my dad on uh, on last night. And it was so funny because my dad was saying the same thing that Bill's dad said, where he's like, if they had just made some more threes, um, they'd be in a much better spot. And I'm like, I'm like, tell my dad, I'm like, but you watched the game. These were terrible threes. Like they're taking absolute shit threes. Yes. Miami maybe shot a little bit better than they normally would, but they're getting wide open looks. Those are not the looks that the Celtics were getting at all. So I thought that was so funny. It's like, no, like, yes, a lot of times the threes can be random, but ultimately if you're taking contested threes, that isn't as random as the open three. It's going to be, it's going to go in a lot less, but they made a good point there where Jalen's taking bad shots. Now I would say I don't even blame Joe Maz because I no. Joe Maz should not be coaching the team. I blame Brad Stevens, Dr. Bill touched on this a little bit. I thought it was a good point. I think it should be touched on more. Brad Stevens needs more heat because yeah. he he should he should have replaced Joe Maz um, when he knew things were going south. Whether that was before the season when he when he knew who Joe Maz was, whether that was in the middle of the season, or and honestly, maybe I'm crazy for this, maybe not, maybe I don't know the NBA as much, but maybe during the fucking playoffs. No, I mean, no. this Joe Maz guy was terrible. He was, but no, that's that's too extreme. Reality is, he should have just hired an outside coach instead of promoting Joe Maz. Like he's yeah. a young assistant. Like I know it worked with Ime kind of by chance, but like you can't just risk that two times in a row. There's right. like there were good of candidates available out there, right? Like just take a, take a chance on one of them. You know, they're experienced. Like Frank Vogel, like he's fine. You know, you just get one of them well, and you go with that. I just don't. I don't understand why you think, oh, Joe Maz. You know. Well, I mean, I- what? I can tell you why. I, I can tell you pretty much because the the email stuff happened so fast on like almost the eve of the season, and you know, they, so they they named Joe Maz the interim. The Celtics somehow play their best six weeks of basketball maybe over the last decade. I mean, they were playing historic uh, like offensive basketball under him, and it was just a fluke thing. So then the Celtics probably were like, okay we've got to take the interim tag off. Like we, we have to let him know he's safe for the year. Uh, that's going to be our best bet to do something this year. If they keep playing this way and then they, they remove it and then the Celtics go bipolar and then they're trapped. Um, so I think that it, it things kind of broke badly from a decision-making standpoint. It's like, they almost had to do the way they did it, but yeah, you wonder like a lot of Celtics Twitter was like, Hey, we, we don't need a great coach. To, to oppose Eric Spolstra because 
Brad Stevens can come down and, and offer his wisdom to Missoula. And I'm <laughs> thinking, fuck, I mean, really? You think that's really going to, is he going to go? He hasn't done that all season. He hasn't told him how to coach all season. You know, <laughs> I mean, Bill basically said he should have done that. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. It's, I just don't, I just, you know, I don't think it was realistic, uh, but I'm torn on Joe Maz, man. I, I knew he wasn't taking him to the finals this year, but I feel like if he was in a different city other than Boston, he he's getting props for being a hell of a coach. Like I, and he, and I, I agree. They didn't look coached a lot of these playoffs. They didn't, you know, and smart grabbed the chair. Like Bill said, you've got smart coaching in some timeouts, but I think the players love Missoula and I don't mean to be long winded here. I, I think that like Tatum loves them. I think a lot of those guys, Look at him as like one of the boys and another teammate. And when they did well, that almost like worked in their favor. But it, he just wasn't enough to to get by a chess master like Spolstra. You know, X's and O's. He was getting out coached by Doc Rivers. I I just yeah. I don't see it. I think Joe Mazzula is a bottom five, maybe ten coach. I, I, I wow, think he's yeah, he's bad. Second row, Joe. Bill Bill said it right. Second row, Joe. That what a great nickname. That is a great nickname. Now, I, I do think we we got to give Bill credit. Like I have been, you guys listen to the pod. You know that I I can be harsh on this guy, and I have been harsh on him many a time before this pod on other pods and in the sub. So, like I I am harsh when needed, but the, the guy's takes the, over this entire postseason. Zombie Heat all time take. I mean, this is just incredible. So he abandoned it. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't I really don't fault them for that because he. I mean, look, they were they were trailing in the 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 game the um the second game there yeah, uh, yeah. playing. So I don't I don't totally hate that, but I gotta say, like Bill, if if I'm if I lead the Celtics aside and I'm grading Bill on his overall NBA takes for this postseason. You know, it's a, it's a it's a good grade. I mean, it really is. He, he yeah, is, it, he, it feels he, like it started. It. It, it feels like the zombie heat thing. He kind of was doing it in just because it does always seem like they're just a splinter in everyone's ass. And he's right about that. But it kind of took on a life of its own. I, I think if a gun was held to Bill's head prior to the playoffs and they're like, we need to know, do you really think the, the heat are going to make the finals? He'd probably say no, but they're just going to be a major pain in the ass. I don't think he saw it swelling into to a finals berth. It just, but so I do give him partial credit, but only partial for the zombie heat. I don't think anybody saw this coming, right? They were always like that team where it was like, oh, for any one round, they could just be anyone, right? They have yeah. Jimmy Butler. They could make a bunch of threes. You never know, and that's why you didn't want to face them in round one. So he's like, oh, we dodged them in round one. What a yeah. blessing! And then somehow they beat round one and then they beat round two. And then here they are heading to Boston for the game one of the Eastern Conference finals. And you're like, holy crap, how did we not dodge them? Right. Right. And, and honestly, if uh, I listened to Rosillo's pod that came out today, Tuesday, and I, I kind of sense him biting back a little bit because he leads with everyone expects me to apologize, uh, you know, about the heat. And that's not what I'm going to do here. Uh, I think that they are the worst finals team that has ever made the finals. And then he, he goes into a laundry list of, of how bad they are and basically how lucky they are. Um, you know, Caleb Martin scored the most points ever uh, for an undrafted player in a conference finals. And 
So it almost kind of feels like someone could take that as Rosillo being like Bill lucked out calling this, and this is a is a extreme. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's not something that should ever happen again type thing. So it was like luck box in his opinion, and he's not he's not giving any credit. Worst finals team is such a such a crazy take. I mean, it's basically the same roster as the one that made the finals in 2020. I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's some similarities. It, it feels a lot to me like the – was it the 2001 Sixers, you know, that got there that, uh, you know, Theo Ratliff. It was a bunch of guys in AI, and <laughs> they somehow stole a game from the Lakers. I could see the Heat winning game one. Uh, everybody going berserk, and then uh, you know they get rolled the next four games. I, I really kind of feel like that, but you know it's. Uh, I don't know that th- they're the worst finals team ever. No way, not even close. I'm trying to think of a worse one. I. Yeah, that seems pretty strong. So Rosillo is really banking on them doing terribly against the Nuggets. Then he called Nuggets in six, and so I, that's another thing is if they're that bad. How are they stealing two from the Nuggets? Yeah, I, that's yeah. not consistent at all. Right. So I I think there's a little snark there. He's a little bit pissed that like Bill walked like lucked into that, I think. Maybe. You guys can listen and get your own take on it, but I think he's more mad the Celtics lost. Did you guys catch him when he said when we got the rebound? <laughs> yeah, I did. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Everyone was like, gotcha. Yep. The, the sub absolutely loved that one. Um, all right, yeah. So, a- anything else we need to discuss here? Any anything else that was fun that you guys saw on Twitter on our Bill Simmons? Um, anything else we need to go over here? Honestly, I'm disappointed in the Wembenyama talk from Bill in the last since the lottery. Yeah, I thought there was gonna be a lot of Wemby stuff because he was high on him in what maybe October, September ish, and since then it's been very quiet. Same. I, I would love – I could hear him go on for days about Wemby. Uh, he's kind of under-delivered there. I think he's going to pound us, pound us with Wemby stuff from maybe July to, to when the season starts. I mean, oh, I yeah, think the draft's going to be big. Yeah, and didn't, didn't Bill take off an exorbitant amount of time coming up this time last year? Didn't he take off like six weeks? And everybody's like, where the hell is he? Yeah, in August. Yeah, he took off okay. for a couple weeks. Yeah. I'm wondering, do you guys think he'll do that again this year? Take the siesta. I think it depends on how the offseason goes. Yeah. I'm hoping he sure. doesn't do that again. Why not? I mean, if, if he could do it last year in his Spotify contract, why wouldn't he do it again? My favorite meme by far is he's got to come out sometime, boys. Chief Wiggum, <laughs> Simpsons. I oh I've sent that to every friend I know that listens to Bill, and they all love it. Yeah, it's really good. It is. And so I, I did <laughs> – that's not original Tribe content. I took – um, I tweeted that after – someone posted that in the sub, I think, after game three. And that was – I think the, the Twitter account was at 400 followers. I tweeted that. That did so many numbers. Like, people fucking love that. People still have such reverence. When a, when a Simpsons meme can hit perfectly – uh, people absolutely love that one, but yeah, I'm I'm already using the Bill Simmons meme for other memes, like because I, I I meme in various various ways across various various uh, 
accounts and personal messages and whatnot. And, you know, it, it's so good because Simmons, it, it's really hard for someone not to know who Bill Simmons is right now. Because if you, if you know the NBA, like if, if you know that the Celtics lost, you pretty much know Bill Simmons is in shambles and he was trending on Twitter after the fact, like it, it's a, uh, it, it really has become just this iconic photo that will stay with him forever. And it's just, it's one of the many things that was a, a glorious feeling after the, after that win last time. When I saw that picture, I first, I thought it was like some old picture from some yeah. other same. Year. I was like, he's not in Boston. He wasn't right. Like, he didn't go to this game. Who took this? And then when I saw it getting posted, like by like big accounts, I knew it was legit. Yeah. NBA central did it. Oh, did, did you guys catch too how the, uh, the Miami Heat tweeted at Simmons. Yeah, Zop. yeah, yeah. They tweeted, uh, what was it, uh, Halloween, right? It was like the gift from Michael Myers. God, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're right. That's yeah, that was the Heat or something. Yeah, that was great. But hey, but you know what? It speaks to you and and rock and roller. I um I I was playing around with um tweeting out some clips from the episode that we did, and you know one of the clips that I clipped for the Twitter is when you said. You know, people listen to Simmons to hear what he has to say and they react to it. And that's a big reason why. And, you know, e- even if you think that Bill's takes have, uh, you know, they're not as sharp as they once were, everybody's paying attention to it. For yeah. The- and the, the fact, for sure. that he, like, what is it? Like the, the, the opposite of loving someone is not hate. It's indifference. Right. I think. Right. Yep. So like if Bill's if we didn't love Bill Simmons, like the people just would forget about him. The fact that Bill fucking Simmons is the guy that is synonymous with the Celtics losing this year that, you know, you said it before, Tom, like that isn't that's like a re apex for Simmons. And you got you got to respect that the guy has whatever he has done in his career. It has led him to the point where not only is he this meme, but you're actually having people say, you know, a bill, even after he made 200 million on Spotify, he's got his seven Malibu beach houses. He's flying, you know, probably private to go see his dad. He still cares that much to have a genuine moment of sadness and hopelessness. And so that that's why he's the GOAT podcaster. And he also mentioned recently, I believe it was in a tweet, um, he didn't think sports would matter to him when he hit his 50s or matter like they used to. I think he mentioned that they still do, and he was he was kind of surprised by it. Uh, so that was interesting. And I, I think if there's one part that sucks about the Celtics getting eliminated, it's that he is uh, he's not guaranteed to tape as much. You know, he he grinded. He I think he gave us a podcast after every Celtics game, um, and now we'll probably get you know roughly half that. I mean, we'll we'll get one after each finals game, but. If it was uh, the Celtics in the finals, man, he'd be grinding, you know, five, six days a week. Yeah, and he, he was putting out great content uh, last finals, I remember. Yep. Yeah, we get that little bit extra, you know, when they make it this deep. And, um, you know, I, I think it's only normal to, you know, he, to him to be like more like, fuck this. You know, I, I, the last thing I want to do is talk basketball now. and So that that's possible. All right. All right, so why don't we, uh, unless you guys have anything else, why don't we close it out on this? Uh, a couple comments from me. So one, to rock and roll. Um, did you create an account for the sub yet, and are you contributing to the sub? I am rock and roll hoops. I went 
and did a, a bunch of replies and was so excited. Uh, and then I got a message from you saying, oh, shit, it takes three days. And yeah. I had, I'd, re- I'd replied like 15 times only to get like a bot message saying like, you have to wait three days. I was mowing my lawn and I thought about how bummed I was. Um, I have not commented back, but I'm lurking almost on the daily. And, I, I, you know, it's pulled up in a Google window where all I have to do is hit refresh now to see what pops to the top. So I will be, fantastic. I'll be making my entrance soon. Yeah. Make, make your entrance and definitely um, comment on this. Uh, I will post me posted because it'll hype us up. And then Tom. Yeah. So are you, are you lurking? Are you on the sub? Are you multiple account? Like what's your, what's your deal? I have one account and I keep it secret. I, no, I like my anonymity, um, but I, I am on the Bill Simmons uh, sub. So you may have seen, things that i've said there before maybe not um, oh oh keeping it very mysterious okay yeah very interesting so we so we may have interacted before is what you're saying um i know you're <laughs> ready count have we i honestly i actually don't know if i've interacted with you on reddit but okay. i've seen things that you posted and you may have seen mine but i don't i don't think i've directly replied to anything you've said before oh gotcha okay but maybe well, um, I don't remember the comment. If if we do see a um a new account that I'm not familiar with commenting on this uh, episode post, I will uh I'll maybe I think it's you, but no that that is that is fun to keep it anonymous. But yeah, like I I do find some people from Twitter, and this was kind of you rock and roll, but like I I found other people too. They actually don't um e- they either don't go on the sub frequently or they're not even aware of it. Which is wild to me because that's just like I I, ha- I had a meme the other day where I where I was like tweeting out how when I introduced people to the sub I forget exactly what I did but basically you know it opens up a whole new world because these are like these are Simmons fans going back two decades and the ability for them to come to a place like our Bill Simmons and have the experience that they have with forty thousand other people I mean it's 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 amazing for them so I I. I, I have a sense of pride when I now introduce people to the sub and get them to start participating and even lurking. Is it really right. forty thousand now? That's insane. It's forty k, and and what what's really good about the sub too um, is that it's very active in terms of like a high percentage of people that contribute there. So the fact that we had four thousand people on, if you go to some huge subs there might not even be 4,000 people on a, like there might not be 4,000 people active on a, a million person sub. So the people that are on Bill Simmons like commenting often about Bill Simmons. Which speaks to, which speaks to what Bill's built up over the years. I mean, what, whether, whether you still love him as much as you once did, uh, you know, you, we once did love him that much and that's why people care about him. I wish you would just acknowledge that the subreddit exists and, you know, say something about it. Like, I know he knows. Like, come on. Bill. Yeah. Like, throw us a you, bone. You think, you think he's read it? Yeah. You think he, do you? 100%. I mean, it was. He probably amazing. comments on it. When, when, when Tribe said that, you know, he blocks people. That was big for me because I, I looked at him as a guy that didn't even look at replies. He gets so many replies. There's no way he sees them. And I'd always fire away messages, probably a little extra snarky, thinking he'll never read this anyway. Um, so when Tribe said, no, he's blocked me multiple times, I'm like, I wonder how many of the times that he's seen me and why the hell hasn't he blocked me? I mean, I'm shocked. 
So, Tribe, whatever you said really got under his skin because, I mean, I've made fun of his betting. I mean, I've been all over him, and he hasn't blocked me. I said he was bad on NBA uh, basketball hour and grandma. Oh, 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 that's real. That's low down to him. I mean, that's <laughs> that's beyond a gambling uh, uh, slam. I think it might have been wh- why Bill failed on <laughs> on TV. <laughs> Any given Wednesday. Yeah. Oh. But I mean, in my defense, that show any given Wednesday was so bad that, like, if you have even an ounce of self awareness, you really should understand that the show is bad. Which actually, Bill, I think, did show because he was asked about it recently, and he made he made some sort of comment that he he gave two. I would call them like semi excuses. I'm not. Well, the, the reason why I'm couching it is because there was one health thing. He said he had a skin cancer health scare that he had to get something removed. So, you know, I'm, I don't want to be – I don't want to downplay any health risks or anything. So if that happened to Simmons, that, that is bad, and we, we were happy that he's doing okay. But he said he used – he said that, and then he also was saying how the guy that hired him, Michael Lombardo, I think is how you say it. Like he was the chief programming – Head, or maybe even the head, the head of HBO, and then he ended up leaving um, before Bill started the show, which I would then counter to then with Bill and be like, "Look, like it, it shouldn't matter if the person that hired you is still there or not. If you're bringing good content to the show, then people are going to watch. It's going to be a good show." Mm-hmm. But he wasn't bringing it. It was a terrible show, and it turned out that he kept losing like fifty percent of the viewership every week after week after week. There was even one week where it didn't even make the top 100 programs because it was so low rated. So if that's going to happen, it's like, Bill, like you got to take some ownership of that show right. to which he has taken a little bit and said, yeah, fail, that's on me. But then he kind of gives his, you know, whether you want to call them excuses, reasons, what have you, he kind of gives those as opposed to fully owning it, in my opinion. I think he's partially right, though. I think there definitely is a little bit of that you know, like the new GM kind of thing where there's a coach who's been there for a while and then there's a new GM and it's like, oh, that's not my guy. So they give them one year and if it's not like perfect, they fire them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like kind of like that. Yeah, I, c- I could see a little bit of that. Although I, I think we've, we now know how HBO currently views the show because it, it is not available on HBO Max or Max, you would call it now. Wait, it's not? It, it is not available. It, 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 it has not been available on Max for several years now. And that is before this new thing of like all the streaming services are all, – all the streamers are doing this now. Or they're, they're removing a bunch of content from their streamers because if they remove it, they don't have to pay the license fees and stuff like that. So what, whatever. Um, but that's a recent trend. That was not the case uh, years ago. When it wasn't on HBO, and I think, I think what happened was HBO was so embarrassed by how poor the quality was, they didn't want their brand associated with the show, and thus just, you know, removed it into the other. Where can we find full episodes? I don't know. I mean, it's lost in the Internet Archives. I, I have no idea. It's like the Star Wars Holiday Special. How it's not on Disney Plus. Oh, interesting. Was that? Is, was that, that? I don't know about that. It's it's so so bad. I'd look it up on YouTube. Like it's it's so bad. It's good, kind of. It's unreal. 
Oh, jeez. Well, I will speak into that. Maybe we'll um we'll close it out on this. The um well the most recent guest we had on Richard, uh, he unearthed a um a twenty sixteen election night special with Bill and the the keeping it sixteen hundred guys. They were live streaming the twenty sixteen election results, and he I for some reason he wanted to watch it. Uh, he 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 needed that piece of content, but um. I, I am going to go ahead and rewatch that. Well, I didn't watch it the first time, but I mean, my my eyes weren't on <laughs> during the election in twenty. I mean, like send that to me. Odd, isn't that kind of an odd? Like, what like what person is watching that live stream as opposed to <laughs> other stuff? Right, but right. I, I'm gonna have to watch that. You gotta send me that. You gotta send me the link to that. I'll yeah, watch I will it. send I'll you. Maybe it. maybe we'll have to pot about that. Maybe maybe <laughs> with some other people from um that we've been having because that's just. And and I, I guess what he was saying what was funny was that Bill seemed totally calm, like nothing bad had happened. Whereas <laughs> other guys are like freaking the fuck out of what happened. So just that disparity between Bill and the other guy's attitude is funny. But that's that is available. But the any given Wednesday episodes aren't. But yeah, gents, this this is a great time. Um, did we miss anything? Anything else we need to cover here? I don't think so. No, I uh, would love to come back on, uh, maybe react to a, a Simmons Finals podcast. I'll say Denver in five. And uh, it's been great talking with you gentlemen tonight. Went by quick. Love it. Yeah, Tom, what's your uh, what's your official prediction here for the finals? Uh, I go Denver in six because my, because my brain says Denver in five. And so with Miami, I've just been giving them an extra game in every series, and that's kind of been working. Because I think, right, Celtics Heat, I was like, okay, it'd probably be Celtics in seven, logically. But the Heat deserves that extra game. So it's just going to be Heat in seven instead. And that's what I've been doing, and that's been working. I'm going to go uh, sweep. Sweep? He's going to be too much. And then the altitude uh, the altitude piece. The altitude the piece. Things. I, I go Nuggets sweep. Just uh, they demolish them. But all right, we're this was a lot of fun. Um, we're gonna have another part to this pod, the the rereadables part. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're we're gonna pass it off to that for now. But really appreciate you guys joining us, and um, would love to have both you guys back on at some point soon. Thanks, awesome, guys. All right, cheers. All right, we're back on the R Bill Simmons podcast, and. We're here now with Jokers of Jokers Are Wild Studios of um, a a new, potentially new uh, name in the sub that you may or may not know. And just, um, you know, an OG member of the Our Bill Simmons podcast crew who has been doing great NBA preview work uh, for the whole postseason. What's going on, Jokers, man? How are you feeling after that Game 7? It's a great day, pal. <laughs> Um, it was, it got a little, it got a little crazy there at the end with the, um, because when, I feel like after being up three Oh, um, like that was never been done before the, the being up three Oh, no team had ever come back, um, in NBA history. I believe it, it only happened three other times where they teamed down three Oh forced the game seven, but then there was the added wrinkle this time where. This was the first time where a road team, the lower seed, went up 3-0. So if they didn't really close it out within six, there was really 
a good possibility that Boston was going to have the reverse sweep. You know, I, I, I really, especially after that game six, where that was, that was such a weird thing. That was so weird in, because watching it live, you're kind of like thinking like smart has a horrible, you know, just a horrible, like turnaround jumper. That's like, that has no business going in. And you think it, it goes off the rim and you think the game's over and it's suddenly Boston celebrating because, and then they, they call a basket and you look at the replay. It's like, Oh, Derek white literally came out of nowhere off the inbound to just run towards the basket and tip it in all in one motion. It was really surreal that Boston escaped game six like that or stole game six. So now we get to game seven and I'm thinking like, you know, we're like, yeah, Boston's going to pull this off. And it looked about even until halfway through the second quarter when you realize, Hey, Boston, now something I didn't realize until I was watching the broadcast, but Tatum apparently got hurt on the first possession. Right. Is that right? Oh, you were watching it at the beginning. Not at the beginning. No, I was like, wow. I was, I was, cle- I was flipping through channels. I was like, and then Man, are, you, are you still hurting from that Sixers loss? What's going on here? No, no, I, I watched game six. It was, it was just a thing where I just kind of was like, I'm not, I'm like, I'll check in with this like halfway through. And then someone said, oh, well, Tatum like tweaked his ankle. And then I saw the replay. I'm like, oh, okay. And he just, he didn't, I saw the box score without knowing about it. And I was like, he only took one shot so far. That's strange. But now we know the ankle was, you know, not in good shape. But despite all that, they had, Boston had so many opportunities to run away with that game. And it just, it felt like if you didn't close those guys out right away, Miami was going to build, build that lead. I could say that about the Sixers where the Sixers Celtics game seven, where the Sixers really let them off the hook. They went up by nine and then suddenly it flipped. And by, you know, I think, I think they went on, I believe I'm not even joking about this, a 28 to three run in the third quarter (laughs) Boston did. And, you know, but after like the going up 12, I'm like, this game's over. Like nobody's, this is not a situation where Miami has a good offense and they have to struggle with every single possession, whether that's Jimmy scoring or Caleb Martin. <laughs> Caleb Martin, which is still surreal, that guy, the way he played in that series and just the playoffs in general. I think he averaged like nine points a game during the regular season. But, you know, it was a surreal thing. And, like, by the fourth quarter, you're thinking, like, well, Boston's going to come back, and they – they went from being down 10 to down 17 within a blink of an eye. And I'm like, that's it, man. They're done. So, I mean, kudos to them trying to force game seven, but wow. Well, two, um, two callbacks for, for you and me on the pod, because uh, as we've talked before, I think there is a couple things here. Um, This game, this game, and the series went almost as well as we could have hoped for in terms of a best case scenario to to really get Bill the worst. Because what what we had talked about earlier this postseason, or maybe when we did the postseason preview, was what was the worst case scenario for Bill <laughs> for this postseason? And um, like zombie losing to the zombie heat was definitely up there. Um, losing to Philly would have been great too. Um 
But the worst, the worst really was if they lost to the Lakers in the finals because it'd be Bill losing to LeBron, which he hates, losing to the Lakers, and the Lakers actually because they're tied right now for 17 championships. So yeah. it would be the Lakers, it would be the championship for all championships, right? So I think that was the kind of the worst case scenario. I would put this pretty high up there because the whole the three zero to just kind of destroy the the lifeblood of Simmons. I mean that game three pod after was glorious, and he just totally wrote them off. And yet to get Bill totally sucked back in to where he that game six preview pod with Rosario, the 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 pod he did after game six with Rosillo, he's totally on board with uh, the Celtics winning it all. And then just to have that look on his face and for him to become that meme, just totally incredible. So, so I do think that this was, was one of the best things we could have. But then I also wanted to call back to – and like I'm, I'm not calling you out because, because Jalen Brown – and you might know where I'm going with this because Jalen <laughs> Brown had a really good postseason before this series. But, man, – what like and for the context of the listeners, Jokers was high on on Jalen Brown, and and I'll let you kind of give your take on why and if that's changed. But like, what the hell happened to Jalen Brown this series, man? Well, to Bill's credit, they they pointed this out, um, and it, you know what? It it kind of happened a little bit of this in the Sixer series a bit because something last year that people had noticed that. Jalen Brown is a good scorer, especially if he's like a catch-and-shoot scorer. But if you put the ball in his hands and you try, you want him to create his own offense or like dribble more than once, I guess, he's just – he's got to be one of the worst ball handlers in the league. It's like really bad. It's, it's, it's like he just loses – he really felt – I think it was like he had seven or eight turnovers yesterday. And – Every time it was like, well, this is – we're a guy that they almost put him as the 1A to Tatum's, you know, to Tatum's number one option. He was like a 1A. They really trusted him in this. And it's like now with this, you know, with this loss, it's like I, – I said this, I think, with Pop. On the, and, and I think – did you do the – no, you did the um, – you did this conference semis. But we did a brief conference finals one. I said, you know, the Celtics have it so wide open to go all the way here that if they somehow don't even get to the finals, there's going to be some serious changes made. And, yeah, okay, Tatum sprained his ankle. Guess what? Everyone's getting hurt in these playoffs, and you can't just pin it on, oh, it, 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 it's like, well, Tatum was hurt. It's like, hey, man, there's a lot of guys that were hurt. Giannis was hurt. Embiid was hurt, you know, Um and in this situation with Jalen, it was a thing where he, when when given the you know the keys, it's like, hey, you got to take us home for this game seven. He just couldn't do it. They just kept the Miami kept crowding him every time he got the ball. He couldn't dribble around them. He dribbled off his foot. He dribbled, like they would you know steal the ball away. They just ate his lunch every single time. And I'll take the L on that because there was times during this regular season I was kind of like sometimes I feel like Jalen Brown's the better player. Sometimes I did because the, Tatum would have these horrendous games, you know, but at this point I think Tatum is better than Brown. Um, but in this case, like, but this loss, I, I, I can't imagine 
the Celtics paying him the supermax too. Oh, so you don't think so? So, you, so you would agree with Doctor Bill that Jalen might not be on the team next year? I think he played. The problem is he played. Yeah, he played. He played so well that there's no reasonable way that you could afford Tatum and Brown at that price tag and still not have them get to, you know, they got to to get a championship. They did get to the finals last year, but they got to a point where it's like, I think they, they blew their best. To me, they blew their best chance at the title. Even though if you want to say last year was their best chance, this was their best chance because they added Malcolm Brogdon Derek White was actually very good. And I think in this case, it's like, you know, they, I'm not saying you would trade them away for anything, but if you get a desperate team enough, like Portland, like the rumors going around that they want to trade the third pick or even someone like um, Houston who has the fourth pick and, you know, Jalen's always been very supportive of Ime Udoka, like, I think that's something that that's very possible. That's going to happen this off season it, that Jalen's going to get traded. Yeah. That no, I, I, I think that makes sense from the perspective of if, and Bill, Bill was saying this today, if your core is Marcus smart, J uh, Tatum and Brown, we've, we've kind of seen this core together. Hasn't totally worked out. And I, and I would say this is, I, I don't know if you listen to, uh, Barkley on on after the show, he he was he was rolling. Uh, he was he was grooving hard, and he was basically ripping the Celtics for being so inconsistent, so volatile, having minimal identity, jacking up threes. Now I blame a lot of that in the coach too, but that's that is on Tatum. Now Bill likes to come out and say that he hopes that Tatum is going to be much better every single year, and he still has a couple years years left, but. Yeah, I think um, I think it's gonna be interesting what happens, but I do think you know Bill Bill's already like talking himself into a little bit of them re-signing Jalen because he's like, oh yeah, let's look around the rest of the East. He's there, and I mean he he's downplaying your team. He he doesn't think that you're gonna, you guys are gonna be good if Harden leaves. I'm I'm mixed about that though because there is guys out there that. If if Tatum, or I'm sorry, if Harden leaves, and he leaves a hole for cap space, and you you manage to get rid of Tobias Harris, like I think I broke it down of them, the Sixers would have 48 million in cap, which is quite a bit, and you could fill those position with wings, and you could fill them with like even second tier player. And not not that I really love Fred Van Vliet, but it's something where it's like if Fred Van Vliet's available for 18 million, $20 million, um, I'm, I can warm up to that. It's just the problem. I think the problem is this fit. You look at it and you're like, okay, you bring in Van Vliet, who is a pretty good player, but he does not fit well next to Maxi because Maxi and him are essentially the same height. And that's a very small backcourt, you know? We just saw Cleveland, as, and they're they're the prototype for this. Whether you think that they're, you know, a great fit or, um, you know, a great fit or good or bad for this, where those two guys are like six foot two at at the at the most, and so the Knicks really just took them apart defensively, 
in that series, which was surprising to me because they played so Cleveland played so well. Um, I think though, in this case, the, I think the, the rumors about Harden, while I think it's very possible he leaves, I think that hiring nurse was a better decision than, than because obviously Harden was not pleased with doc. He just wasn't. And nobody was, and he had to go. It was, you had a, it's a fair thought. It, yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. It's like, he had three chances to get better, like get a better situation to what Brett Brown, the former coach did, which, you know, they couldn't get out of the second round. He had three shots. One of those, he was the overwhelming favorite and they just choked it away against Atlanta. That's, that's to me, still the worst loss of this run because it's like Atlanta just really, (laughs) Atlanta, Atlanta just like they got they beat us with Trey Young and Kevin Herter. I mean that's that's ridiculous, you know. And that with all the Ben Simmons stuff that caused Ben Simmons to get traded. That all said, Nick Nurse is a guy who he's a tactician. He's a guy who doesn't put up with crap. And that's someone who's like. And a lot of people have said, well, this could really like you know great the the star players like Harden and Embiid. It's like. Yeah. So what? You don't. You don't. You haven't earned that. You haven't earned that. That clout of your, your playoff success has been so lacking. Both of them. That to me, it's like if you're going to like whine about the coach that's going to be hard on you, it's like, and this is going to work out. Well, fine. It's not going to work out. It's like, it's one of those things. It's like almost like it's an. You you have to look at it as an ultimatum, and it's like this is the guy, where. This guy's either going to push, find a, find something within, at least within Bede, if not Harden, if he decides to come back. Like these, this guy's going to define something and then to push them to another level. And if they can't handle it, then okay, then the whole, I'll say the word, the, the process, I guess, failed in this regard because the guy just really isn't, you know, up for criticism, you know? I'd say the, yeah. the approval rating of Embiid, and I don't want to get too far in the Sixers talk, but it's it's at its all time low. But it's not on the on the Sixers sub. It's at the all time low, but it's not in a way where you know most people want to keep them. They're not really willing to pay the max to Harden at this point. No, I I think that's the same thing with. I, I mean, people don't want to pay Brown. I I would much rather pay Brown than pay Harden. So I would. Yeah, I think Brown yeah. is Brown is eligible to make five years, two hundred ninety million. I mean, that's that's absurd. Well, part of the reason that does seem absurd, which I think Doctor Bill didn't totally get, is he's saying, "Oh, I don't really see." Brown as a $45 million guy. Well, nobody sees anybody. No, nobody five years ago saw anybody as a $45 million person because the league wasn't making as much money. So, and especially if the league gets new TV deals, which I mean, from, from all the accounts that people are saying the, the money should at least double if they don't do cap smoothing again. I mean, 45 mil a year might look, low and i know i know it's going to be higher than 50 i'm using dr bill um and what he was saying today but yeah i mean i i I agree with that 
thought to an extent, but on the other hand, you also have to look at the leagues changing. And so the cap will be changing too. But yeah, I mean, I guess, the, did you listen to that Ryan and Bill CBA talk? I know that was getting some play. I, I actually didn't, but it's like the, the only reason I didn't is because Bill has these like isms that he does where it's like, yeah. you know, he claims he knows what the CBA is, but he, he just doesn't. I mean, no, I, trust, I would trust more Ryan on that. Today. Huh? Yeah, no, pe- people were saying that today. They're like, these guys made a fool out of themselves. And they, and they actually, there was just a post in the sub, like disproving them. But yeah, that reminded me, you brought up the Sixers sub and then we have the Arbo Simmons sub. So is there anything on the sub that you wanted to uh, have a laugh at or talk about before we hop into what is the 2005 rereadables part of this podcast? We have the truly sad day in Bill Simmons, but we will be adding the second part here. Shortly. I will I will say that the funny part was there was some funny stuff over the last week where it was like you know it, was, it looked like you know Boston was going to get swept and then yeah everyone was talking crap when they were up 3-0 and I was one of those but then it was also a thing too where it's like the Boston the Boston fans came out of the woodwork and it's like hey hey J- <laughs> Jackoff it's like you guys are the two seed. You won 57 games. You should be able to beat these guys. You know, even if it is a blown loss, you know, it's like you're up three, you're down three Oh, it's like, and Miami's up three Oh, I just, it's going to be interesting with the way this went down. And I will also point out that I feel like that in a weird way, Missoula is, this could age terribly soon. I think Missoula saved his job, which is, to a fault, a bad thing for Boston. I think the fact that they managed to come back to to a game seven, like that's that's going to be interesting to see. If well, they, he's objectively not a good coach, right? No, I think he's terrible. I, I think yeah. I and that that's why that was I mean, the other reason why. They, yeah, still. Yeah, him. that's the other reason why Doc Rivers had to go because it's like he makes one adjustment that works, which was the putting starting Robert Williams and Al Horford together. And having two bigs and Doc couldn't figure it out. Like, and it's like, why why do we still have this guy as a coach? He can't, his he's an ego stroker. He's not he's not a tactician. The Sixers need a tactician. They, they need someone who, you know, knows the X's and O's at this point. And it's like that's gonna put them to a different level if they're able to do it. Yeah. Could that alienate Harden and Embiid and say, uh, we don't want to be or whether that causes Harden to leave entirely or that causes them to be that demand to trade. Yeah, fine. Okay. But I want to give this one more shot. I don't want to have another retread. Like, um, uh, what was the, who was available? Uh, you know, especially well, just Doc Rivers in general, like I'm hearing Phoenix might hire him. I'm like, what the hell is Phoenix? Thinking? Oh no, that'd be a disaster. Yeah. I mean, Doc should not be getting, Doc should not be getting gigs that teams have legitimate chances to win in because he didn't, he didn't get, he didn't execute with I, – I would say he under-executed in his last three jobs. And frankly, probably his whole career because Bill used to kill him. And actually, this will be a good transition to the next part of the pod. But Bill Bill used to absolutely kill Doc when he was with the Magic and then the Celtics. And yeah, so speak, speaking of Bill writing uh, in page two in the mid-2000s um, and also speaking of rereadables – um, there's been other podcasts that have uh, <laughs> there's been other podcasts who we who we feuded with that have done rereadables on their podcast 
but that was original idea. Us, our Bill Simmons podcast. If you type me, tribe has spoke. Yeah, yeah. Original you, idea to to tweet those out and to talk about them in the sub. But we we got to talk Bill Simmons levels of losing. Now this is classic. I think for anybody who has not read this article, I, I mean, we're going to read parts of it, but search. You know, if you haven't done it yet, stop what you're doing. Search uh, Bill Simmons levels of losing. It will come up. It's fun. It basically the concept here is Bill has 13 levels of losing. This was written after an NBA playoff weekend with what he calls three tormenting tormenting losses. Seemed like the perfect time to break out his levels of losing gimmick. And so the point here obviously is is kind of self-explanatory. What you know, if there's a game, how do you characterize it into, you know, the 13th level being, you know, not great to the first level of losing being you know, just absolute destruction. So we felt like we would, we want to place this game seven loss of which we have this amazing Bill Simmons meme that he will never live down. We want to place that into the levels of losing. And, and we were talking before the show. Um, we want to start with level 10 here. It's called the rabbit's foot. Now I don't even remember this really, but <laughs> level 10, the rabbit's foot, um, so we're going to get to – so what we'll do is we'll do – we'll read the definition. So the kind of the way he structures it is he goes the level. He's got definition, personal memory. So if there's anything interesting um, in there, he also will have a decent example in there. So level 10, the rabbit's foot, we've got definition. So this applies to frustrating games or series where every single break seemingly goes against your team. Unbelievably frustrating you know that sinking, oh God, I've been here before feeling when something unfortunate happens, when your guard immediately goes shooting up. Yeah, I'm just wincing writing about it. So I'm not going to say, Jokers, that this was the rabbit's foot, um, this game's wow. loss. But what I will say is there were some elements of it where the Jason Tatum ankle issue at the beginning of the game Bill and his dad admitted that it was an immediate, the guard goes up and a bad feeling. So there's, I think there's a little bit of the rabbit's foot in this game seven loss. There there's that little wrinkle, but at the same time, it's before this game seven or before the series started, once they beat the Sixers, it was kind of a thing where, at no point did you say it's not our year. They they did not feel like this, you know. I don't think they really felt like this, you know, until maybe game three, obviously, because they were down 3-0. But even then, they got sucked back in. Like, had they just been, okay, we're going to lose this in, like, five or six games, you know, or it, it would have been, like, something would have just felt off. So I wouldn't say the rabbit's foot game or the rabbit's foot game or series. I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call it this because it's, it's worse than that because it's like, you know, there's something, there was some, you know what it was? Okay. Here's an example. Um, I'd say the rabbit's foot series would have been the last time they got, I think they were knocked out of the first round, which was four years ago. And I think they lost, man, I can't remember who it was. It was Kyrie's last season. 
You know, you know what I'm talking about. Man, I don't. What? Well, who did they lose to in the first round? I want to say it was either. I want to say it was either Toronto or Milwaukee. They were now, not. Was, Kyrie, was that the one where Kyrie was injured for it? No, Kyrie played. That was the oh, thing. Lost but they, that that season had gone such such hell. They've been went through such hell that every, at that point everyone had basically tuned out on that team. Kyrie was already talking about there was that was the rumbling rumblings where he was talking about he was going to leave, and so that was something where you know you're if you're a Celtics fan you're watching it and it's like yeah this team doesn't have it we've won I think they only won like um, I'm looking it up right now um like they only won like um I think forty five they, they won forty nine and thirty three. They lo- okay, they lost the round two. I'm sorry. They lost in round two in Milwaukee. And they just didn't look like they were a top, top team. You know, and Kyrie had been just a pain in the ass that season. He'd been healthy, and they weren't better with him. So I think that's an example of a rabbit's foot type of thing where it's like this team just doesn't have it. You know, I kind of felt like that if I was going to relate it to my um, – experience i think last year's sixers team where they after beating toronto and towards the end of game six where they were up by 30 and then suddenly pascal siakam elbows and beat in the face it's like that's pretty much where i was like yeah we're not gonna win this you know and then they had lost to miami in six games last year so yeah i wouldn't say this is that you know i i think that's this is a little bit tougher than that so yeah, I like that. And so for Bill's personal memory with this one, um, kind of kind of jives with what a second round loss would be because he says the Red Sox Yanks playoff series from '99 when everything went against the Sox. Now I remember this one. I was younger at the time, but this was one of the first big playoff series that I remember watching as a kid. And that was when the Sox won the wild card. They had Pedro in '99 put put together this magnificent pitching uh, season. And they had won game five against the Indians because Pedro threw uh, six no-hit innings to close out the series. Um, and that was that, back yeah. when they, then they had only five games in those division series. But the Sox were the, you know, they weren't the best team. The Yankees, that they're, they're in the midst of the three-year uh, triple peat from 98 to 2000. And then they also won in 96, of course. So they were going against an all-time team. So, no, I mean, if... The Red Sox, they shouldn't have won in 99. They didn't. That's fine. Um, let's go here. Let's go level nine, the sudden death. So this this is fun because we have we have a definition here, and then we'll we'll go to Bill's personal memory too, which is um which is funny. So the definition here, um, is there another fan experience quite like overtime hockey where every slap shot, breakaway, and centering pass might spell spell doom? And losing feels 10 times worse than winning feels good. Um, I mean, I okay. There's only one mitigating factor when OT periods start piling up and you lose the capacity to care anymore. Invariably, you just start rooting for the game to end. <laughs> just don't suffer a heart attack. Bonus points because one of these happened last night. Colorado's game-winning OT goal against Detroit. So, yeah, obviously he's talking about hockey fine. But this is where it gets fun too. Personal memory here. Game one, Bruins or- Oilers 1990 Stanley Cup Finals, the tail end of my sophomore year in college. 
where everyone from school trekked down to Cape Cod for seven days of drinking and general mayhem. Um, on this particular night, my buddy Sully and I skipped out of a party to watch the third period at a Hyannis bar. Who does that remind you of, Joker? Somebody skipping out at a party to watch a sporting event. So Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo is the evolutionary Bill Simmons. Oh. Ryan, Ryan is Bill would still be doing this if he didn't get married. Basically, it sounds like, like if he didn't have a wife and kids. Uh, the way, yeah. Ryan, so look, I mean, this doesn't yeah. really apply because it's for hockey. But I just wanted to. We had to read that personal memory because it is so funny. Then hearing about Rosillo ditching uh, social events now to watch playoffs. Yeah, this this one is kind of funny, but this one doesn't make a, a lot of sense for the basketball narrative because it, it feels more like I'm trying to think of. There's one that's kind of like, kind of like this, but that I can think of, but it's not technically a playoff situation, um, and it is hockey. But I'll be quick about it. But I was not on the my you know. I remember that the last time the Flyers went to the Stanley Cup, which was 2010, um, in order to get in the playoffs, they had to, in the final game of the season, they played the New York Rangers, who also, the winner of that game was going to advance. It was it was a weird, like, rare game 82, winner goes home situation, right? Didn't matter as long as they went to overtime, you know? So they both go to overtime. They actually both... Neither of them score in that five-minute overtime. They go to a shootout, and the Flyers win the shootout against the Rangers. And the Flyers end up going from the seventh seed, and they go all the way to the Stanley Cup until they lost a game six, where, ironically, they lost in a game-winning overtime goal in game six and lost the they, – they, that was a game-winning, series-winning, cup-winning goal for the Blackhawks that year. So that's the only thing I can equate it to. I guess off the top of my head. Yeah, so doesn't doesn't apply, but the fun uh, the fun Bill memory here. Now this one, I, I don't think this applies to this next level. It does not apply to this game um, because the Celtics lost. But if they had won, it might have. So this is this is level eight dead men walking. If you read Bill, well now obviously no one reads Bill, but if you listen to Bill. I think these are the levels where he kind of starts uh, he kind of starts referencing these as facts. And this is something that Bill has been doing a lot recently, I feel like, where he, he just references the Pantheon and like that a guy's a top 12 guy um, like as a, as a as historical fact, even though it's just a Bill Simmons making the claim. It's a, it's a historical fact according to him, yeah. Yeah, so he he's like doing this, assuming that everybody knows this. Now, having said that, he also does this for the Ewing theory, but Bill is so popular, and that theory is so popular that that's actually accurate. Like him saying Ewing theory, um, like everybody knows, everybody does know it. Does everybody know the Pantheon? I'm not quite sure of that, but I, I digress. Level eight, dead man walking. So here's the definition. Applies to any playoff series when your team remains alive, but they just suffered a loss so catastrophic and so harrowing. There's no possible way they could bounce back, especially disheartening because you wave the white flag mentally, but there's a tiny part of you still holding out hope for a um, miraculous momentum change. So you've given up, but you're still getting hurt. If that makes sense, 
just for the record, you know, he, he mentioned the series. Okay, so Jokers, this is interesting, right? Because you could you could almost apply this in a couple ways. You could say that it was almost like a series, a dead man walking after game three, and yet the Celtics come back when game four, when game five is six. You could yeah. also say that the game six lost by the Heat was so catastrophic they would qualify for dead men walking as well in game seven and lose. Now, neither of those things happened. So the dead man walking does not apply here at all, which is fascinating, but it very well could have, it would have now, if, if it happened in game four, really not like if the Celtics lose game four, it's not high in the levels of losing because they got swept. If the heat lose in game seven, then we're talking dead man walking. I got an example of this too. I I, I, have, I have a very recent example <laughs> as, as for myself. Um, game five of the World Series last year, uh, Phillies Astros, and um, you know they were the Phillies were up two to one in that series. They got no hit in game four in their in their home crowd. I was at game five of the World Series. I, I'd been to two weirdly two previous game fives. Um, 08 and 09 where they both won so I'm at that game and it even though there was a lot of like um, doubt because they you know the Astros took the lead I think Nola was on the mound that night which was their kind of their co-ace they were fighting back fighting back fighting back and then they got down to the ninth inning where they're down a run they, they got down to a run and in the ninth inning I think it was Riamuto who hit this ball to like right center and if he hits it like to left center if he hits it to left field or right field it it, it could be a home run it, it would have been an extra base hit but he hit it in the farthest part of the ballpark and i think his name's it was chas mccormick who doesn't who was a local guy i think he was out i think he's from montgomery county around here which is you know like king of prussia area and he caught he made this diving catch up against the wall which really just it was like it was it was just so deflating and that was the first out of the inning and even then they 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 rallied and got down to the end of the game where i think they got a runner on third um but they couldn't score and they lost that game and then they lost the next game in houston so i would not call game seven this because that's where you get in a situation. Yeah, you're right, though. It's like if Miami's case, this that would have been that situation where they had the game won and suddenly it was taken away from them. And then they knew they're like, we're not winning game seven, you know? Yeah. Now, Bill references uh, game seven of the 86 World Series as the ultimate dead men walking. Um, hint that I think that world series will come up later in this column but yeah no that makes sense i mean i remember reading bill um and that he would always reference that where there was no chance that the red sox were going to win that game but if i recall correctly and i maybe i can even look it up as i'm going here um they had a chance to win that game so i you know the the whole dead man walking thing i'm not i'm not sure if we have seen a lot a lot of truly examples of that i mean you just gave one but I got know, an NBA. I'm not quite sure of this actually. Well, this one, this one should be higher because I have a basketball example that's non-Celtics related or Sixers related. But um, oh, briefly, briefly before we go, yeah. So the Red Sox were up three. 
The Red Sox were up 3 nothing heading into the bottom of the sixth inning in Game 7 in the 1986 yeah. World Series. Yeah. I remember – I also remember um, – there's two things I'm going to recite here. Ironically, both Texas teams. Um, 2011 was that crazy, cra- crazy, crazy World Series where the Cardinals and Rangers were playing each other. And the Rangers were down to literally their last strike in game six to win that series. And they just couldn't get the final strike and the Cardinals won. Yeah. They went up. I believe they went up early in that game seven and they blew it. They gave up like 10 straight runs and the, the Cardinals ran away with that game. The alternative one would be like the actual loss of the game would have been game seven of the 2013 finals between the Spurs and heat where it was the game after the Ray Allen shot where mm, I, yes. Yeah. The, the Spurs had no chance of winning that game and they almost did, but they didn't. It was, it, it was like, it went down to like, I think Duncan could have tied the game with like his patented bank shot and he hit it off the back rim. And he oh, that's it. right. Yeah. That yeah. was a great game. Yeah. And it was just shocking. He missed, he made so many of those in his career and he even knew like, Oh, we're done done like and that's 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 a good example i'm kind of glad we're reading doing this because now i'm going through my head like stuff that happened since like 2002 2003 and those are two examples of that though where it's like the the ray allen shot is obviously worse but game seven's like kind of forgotten about it's like oh yeah the spurs lost that game too you know when they really could have won that you know championship that year see, so. see this is why bill needs to keep writing and if bill's not going to keep writing then bill unblock us on twitter and re <laughs> and retweet the podcast i mean let's let's talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's like we, we almost act like as a as a mem- going down memory lane and adding to your articles or adding to your book at least in a, in a positive way you know like, yeah well br- brief digression for me and i i have i don't I've, I've probably talked about this in the pod before but um i know i've talked to you guys about it but basically how i i think one of the key mistakes that he made for any given wednesday was was going too far for bill simmons and not leaning into the sports guy enough why couldn't he like it wouldn't have been entertaining to revisit the levels of losing column in 2016 and any, any given wednesday like yeah this, because this, i think this is one of his best articles yeah, was it like a bad deal with ESPN where they weren't going to give him the IP to do this stuff? Like it's just – it was so bizarre to me that he threw away the sports guy brand and went in totally the opposite direction. But anyway, I'm getting – I've talked about that before. Um, let's do this, level seven, uh, the monkey wrench. So, yeah, this is – I don't – I'm not sure about this one, but I yeah, we'll read on and we'll, we'll see what you think. So – Definition, any situation where either the manager uh, or coach of your team made an idiotic game decision or a referee um, umpire robbed your team of impending victory. So I think obviously, yeah, like, yeah, there's not going to be the, the referee <laughs> umpire. But, I mean, I, what do we think about Joe Maz being like a terrible coach to this entire series? It's not a moment. It's not a moment, but it is – Joe Maz was not a good coach, and he was thoroughly outcoached by Spo easily in this in this series. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like this would be more of a of a um, coaching issue. This is not an issue where it's the ref's fault. Um, 
I'm trying to think like, I don't think this is, it's, it, I don't, I think it's worse than this because you could probably apply this to the, the, the series I was just talking about, the Sixers and Celtics where Doc Rivers just didn't make a adjustment once he, once Matt Missoula decided to put two bigs together in game six and they, the Sixers had trouble scoring, like Doc just kind of threw his hands up and just was like, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, we're just run, you know, more plays and, you know, come on guys, come on. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't think this applies to this either. I think this is a thing where, and it's tough to have a bad, it, it's tough to compare this with the bad roughing, you know, because it's not something like Kings Lakers where they completely got screwed, right? Like it was mm-hmm. a, an egregious borderline criminal <laughs> or like, we might actually have the government investigate this, but I think I wouldn't call this the a, a monkey wrench series because ultimately Spo was out coaching him in this, you know. So it's I think it's lack of decisions, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I think Bill, yeah, he this is more moments, so it doesn't totally apply. But I do, I do think it's worthwhile to talk about kind of how bad of a coach Maz was. All right, let's do this. Level six, the full-fledged buck kicking. So this is, yeah, this is interesting. We've got um, sometimes you can tell right away when it isn't your team's day, and that's the worst part. Not just the epiphany, but everything that follows, every botched play, every turnover, every instance where someone on your team quits, every deer in the headlights look, every time an announcer says they can't get anything going. Every shot of the opponent celebrating every time you look at the score and think to yourself, well, if we score here and force a turnover, maybe we'll get some momentum, but you know it's not going to happen because you're already 30 points down. Um, It's the sports equivalent uh, to a three-hour torture session. And now for the example here, he goes um, 2001 NFC Championship game Vikings-Giants, which I I don't even – no, if that like that was an that was an infamous. Uh, it was okay. Like that was it, the Vikings, I believe, were like. Even though I don't know if the Giants had uh, were favored, but that was still when they had uh, Randall Cunningham and Chris Carter and Randy Moss, and it was ended up being forty-one to nothing. Yeah, it was like forty-one to nothing was the final. Oh, that's it was, insane! It was just complete ass kicking. Well, um, and then we have Bill's personal memory here, Pats, Bears, Super Bowl 20. So, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> That's I think, a brutal loss. I think I think this was the for the for the six I, I I'm sorry I keep bringing this up, but the Sixers Celtics series game seven, I think this was it for them. I think this was a level six of this game being over sometime midway through the third quarter of like this game is we are toast. This is it. It's done. So I wouldn't, but in this case with the, the heat and the Celtics, I still don't think this is it because despite, despite that the butt kicking is more reserved for, you know, getting like you're, you're getting smoked in a way where, you know, you, you, you're already down type of thing where it's like a 3-2 game situation. You know, you're down 3-2 in the series. It's not really a game seven type of situation, you know, because you're thinking like, oh, we got a nice shot, especially if we're at home. So 
I would not call Celtics Heat Game Seven this, you know, despite the deficit, you know, the blowout. Yeah, because it was always. I mean, the Celtics were in reach. I I would say this is more if if Game Three had to be a closeout game. Yeah, that that yeah. would kind of. Because that was the vibe. That was the vibe I was getting watching that game three. Going, wow, this series looks totally over. Of course, it wasn't. And I think with the Heat, because they were this eight seed that just snuck in and really only have Butler as a star, it it, it was always going to be conceivable that if the Celtics won just one, they could potentially come back. So yeah, I think I think if game three happens in game seven. Um, it's it's full fledged buck kicking, but beyond that, I agree with you. I don't think this is. Yeah. All right. So level five, the um the this can't be happening game. So yeah, I think that, again, like this is kind of where Bill increasingly um talks about this stuff, like everyone knows it. So okay, so sibling of the full fledged buck kicking, you're supposed to win. You expect to win. The game's a mere formality. Suddenly your team falls behind, your opponents are fired up, the clock's ticking, and it dawns on you for the first time. Oh my god, this can't be happening. Now he does so he has personal memory here where this is so the, yeah, this is interesting. He, so he goes game seven of the 82 Eastern Conference Finals. This, <laughs> yeah, this the Celtics deficit to force the seventh game against Philly at home. Okay. Not mm-hmm. only have the Celts never lost a game seven at the Garden during a game five comeback, Boston fans chanted, See you Sunday, um, inferring the Celtics would win Friday's game six in Philly, which they did. So, and this is kind of funny that so this is this is the Celtics fan psyche. Needless to say, our confidence had surged to dizzying heights. It had never even entered our minds that we might lose. I remember seeing fans walking around the garden wearing white sh- white sheets. And dressed as the ghosts of Garden Pass, an unreal atmosphere. Those are Klansmen. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, come on, bro. So, oh, and then this, this, so this is that it's very interesting too. And then you could feel the twinge of uh oh in the air as we slowly realized things weren't working out like we had planned. I I think this is the closest yet, Jokers. I I think if you listen to Bill's Game yeah. Six pod that he did with Ursillo. I think he was pretty fucking confident the Celtics would win Game Seven, as as did Doctor Bill. Doctor Bill said they'd win too. Yeah, this is this is close, but I would like to see the other stuff before I'd make a judgment. But this is because it really felt like after coming back down three zero, you're like these guys are gonna really kick Miami's ass in Game Seven. I really didn't think Miami was gonna, especially after that horrible loss. You know that that buzzer beater that Derek White had, like, I, I was just like, nah, it's meant to be for these guys. It sucks. But, but as you said, it's like, they really didn't take advantage. And then they had the, you know, the Tatum's tweaked ankle really, you know, injuries happen, but they couldn't really adjust to that once he got hurt. And uh, yeah, this is about as close as I'd say to the end game of this. So, but like I said, I would like to continue continue and see if it's something as bad as that but you know yeah we're um we're getting as bill would say um in his mailbags we're, we're getting close uh and and you said that to to me in, in a response to me last night which was fun so we're, we're getting in the territory here which is good all we're right in range. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're getting yeah. in range, range exactly we're getting in range all right so level four 
uh, the broken axle. Okay. So definition here, um, when the wheels come flying off a big game, hence what once he said, um, leading to a complete collapse down the stretch, this one works best for basketball. Okay, so now we're, we're talking here. Mm. Like game three of the Celtics Nets series this year or game seven of the Blazers-Lakers series. Oh, my God. Do you remember that one? The, the, the Blazers. I don't. I was barely I was barely aware of the NBA at that point. Okay, real quick rundown. Uh, the Blazers, Scottie Pippen was on the Blazers that year. And it was game seven of the West Finals. And, you know, the Blazers hadn't been to the finals since, I think, 1992. And they were up by 15 at one point in the fourth quarter in, in, in LA. And it was oh, game no. seven. And Kobe and Shaq just – that was that was basically the beginning of Kobe and Shaq just kicking ass. And they chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And the, the most famous play of that is, like, once they took the lead, the, the explanation – the exclamation point was Kobe crossing over and throwing up an alley-oop to Shaq, who just the most surreal alley-oop I've ever seen, like where he just goes so high and just slams it so hard through the rim that and the people just lost their minds. Like it, it just turned into complete ass, ass kicking by the Lakers down the stretch. It was very, very weird how it turned out that way because the Blazers had that game in hand, you know, but would I call it this though? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure though if the Celtics collapse this badly though. This the Celtics team because it's almost it goes from like having one one end to the other. You know what I mean? It's not. It's like you, you kind of feel like. It would be like, um, okay, I know, I know a situation, and granted, it's a bigger deal. The um, Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl hmm. would be would be like this, you know, the Eagles who are leading most of that that Super Bowl, and then couldn't stop Mahomes; they just couldn't stop him, and they end up losing this. Even even after coming back, they just couldn't. Um, they couldn't stop Mahomes, and they they just didn't do enough. So, I would say that Game Seven was more like a number five. You know, I don't know your opinion on this. No, yeah, I don't think they collapsed because a, a collapse is pretty brutal. I mean, when the wheels come flying off, and yeah, I mean, and Bill and Bill uses the word collapsing. I mean, he says, you know, it's happening because. The home crowd pushes okay. to another level, and then the team that's collapsing becomes affected with deer in the headlights. Yeah, so I okay. I, I think that's this... totally reasonable. That um, it's it was not a collapse. It, it was more of a slow motion. Oof, this is happening, and like Bill, like Bill had time to react by the third quarter to take yeah. the picture of his dad. Like kind of what was going on. Game six would have been a collapse had that had. White not hit the game winner because that game looked like the, the Celtics were winning that game until four minutes left, and suddenly that fell off. That would have been the broken axle. Did you now see we, how that yeah. game six ended? Now, yeah. Now, as part of is part of this uh, that the whole series could almost be a collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
But yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying because game because game six they were ahead late in the fourth quarter. So yeah, they were up by like ten with four minutes left, and Jimmy really just dragged them back and had they had the one point lead off of that that three that on the foul right, but because they because of the Derek White game winner, it kind of like threw that in the garbage. Otherwise, that would have been to me that would have been a level four loss. That would have been like you guys had this. You guys were gonna. Granted, you weren't going to win this series if you won this game, but you were at least going to send it back to Boston, you know. Whereas this is, I think, I think his thing was more, you know, of a level five, but it almost was a level four, you know. Yeah, no, he almost got there. And then, like, hey, we'll we'll go through the rest. We'll see what we'll yeah, see yeah. What, what else we got. We got level three of the guillotine. I love that. I love that name for this. This this is <laughs> class. This is just class. This is classic Paige G. Simmons. Like this is like this is what we all loved about the guy. You know, the guillotine. Who who writes the levels of losing column and, and says the guillotine is as a as one. I mean, it's genius. It's I'm genius. trying. I'm trying to think of a example of this recently because his best example was Game Seven of the '97 World Series, which probably no one re- remembers. I remember it, but I'm like a weirdo who. Like it's like an encyclopedia for me to remember so all these like championships. So I'm trying to think. Like, well, no, and Billy Billy even says we need to get that one wiped out of the record books. So knowing that the '97 World Series never happened. Yeah, brief briefly on the description. So um, combines devastation of broken axle game, broken axle game, which we just talked about, with sweeping bitterness and hostility. Your team's hanging tough. You can feel the inevitable breakdown coming. You keep waiting for the guillotine to drop. Um, so that's kind of what Bill's saying here is that the guillotine will come. You know it comes. When it finally comes, you're angry it happened. You're angry at yourself. Now, I don't – yeah, I don't think it's this because Bill was very look eager to game seven. So he was not expecting the guillotine to come down on him in game seven. It's it, – if it, it was like um... – I think the guillotine might have been used for last year's finals. Where mm, I like that. I like yeah, that because they were up two to one. And once they went up two one, I didn't think Golden State was gonna win that series. And I would say the guillotine was more like game six of the finals last year where the Warriors closed them out because you know, I think that I think the Celtics were hanging around in that game, and suddenly it just was like they just couldn't catch them, and it was like there was it was just frustrating that they had it, and it fell apart for them sometime around Game Four, where I think Curry put up um, I want to say he put up fifty in like Game Four, right? It was like or forty three, it was something crazy. So you know, it, it was something where like. The, the series was obvious. The series of the championship was obviously winnable. You know, it, it fell apart for them at the worst time, but it was kind of expected. There was this something there that was like, something's not, something doesn't feel right. And I don't know it, for Bill's case, he's like, he just didn't know what. So yeah, I'm looking at right now. The, the game six was. Final was 103.90. And it started falling away from them sometime in the third quarter where it was just like they weren't, they just couldn't keep up. And that was, it was a winnable series that they 
you know, blew. They blew that championship. They should have. I really felt like Boston, in a lot of ways, should have won that championship last year. That's why it was super surprising for Golden State to win. Because I just think I they they had more horses, you know, last year. And I think this is why it was it, it was uh, surprising that they lost to Miami this year. So, um, yeah, you can never you can never lose your window. I mean, Bill, I, I would I would like to go back. That would be a fun re-listenable. Um, is to go back and listen to the pod right after the Celtics lost last year because I do think Bill, I don't know whether he said it immediately after that, but he has said that sometimes, you know, you don't know when you're going to get that chance again. And I, and I think that's, that was a smart way of looking at it because obviously as we've seen this season, there's no guarantee you're going to come back. And and frankly, there's no guarantee that Jalen will even be in the Yeah, you, Yeah. Like we've been talking about this and it's, it's, going to be may 31st tomorrow like a month from now we we could be saying jalen brown's on a different team you know it's 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 possible it's very possible and it's like it's it's going to be awfully difficult for them to you know if if they do trade jalen yeah they're going to get a lot of good capital but what are they going to flip it into because it's obviously they're not going to take a player like that, wherever, unless they really are high on Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, um, or I mean, maybe even a, a Men Thompson, but like, it, it's it's like, are they are going to help me us win now? And it's like, I don't know if they are. They're probably not, you know. So I think that's the thing where it's like, once you trade Jalen, it's like, what's the second trade that's going to make this team better, you know? And. I think for them, it's like, it's tough to replace Jalen, you know, but it's, it just kind of seems like that's what's going to happen. It's like, if the writing's on the wall, he costs too much money and they just don't, they're not going to be able to, um, you know, hold on to both. And you're going to have to hold on to Tatum before you're going to hold on to Jalen. You know, you're saying it's going to be hard to find eight more turnovers a game. <laughs> well, did they want James Harden? Is the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I guess yeah, he's going to Houston, right? That's kind of a or Portland. Portland also seems a possibility because they're delusional. And they, they, I still don't understand why. I still don't understand why Portland just doesn't trade Lillard. I just don't get it. He's he's going to be thirty three in July, and it's like he's he's supposedly their best player, but it's like, what would you rate him? In terms of the, is he a top? I guess he's a top twenty player, right? But yeah, I think so. Well, I, I mean, Dame, like his whole thing, his whole brand is loyalty, right? Yeah, but it goes beyond the the concept of this team has obviously failed you. You've gotten the one conference finals in in your entire career, um, and a lot of first round exits. It's not even like oh, they. It's like the Embiid syndrome where they they've gone, <laughs> they've lost a. They've lost the uh, second round five out of six years, and the other time they lost in the f- bubble in the first round. It's like Lillard's like bounced around from that conference finals appearance where he got swept. I, I think it was a, uh, it was the year the Raptors won it all. That's what that was the other frustrating thing about that Kawhi shot. It's like I don't think the West was very good that year, and besides the whole you know Durant injury thing, it was like. That was a very winnable thing. I wasn't really shocked Toronto beat Golden State. Even with the injuries, I, I felt like Toronto was very, very good, you know. 
So, yeah, I just feel like with with Portland or, or I mean Boston, I don't and I don't think the trade's going to be Dame for Jalen Brown either. I don't think that's going to be the the thing either. It just mm. that doesn't make a ton of sense for either team. Yeah, they're in a they're in a they're they're in a little bit of a tough spot. I agree because if they do if they do sign Brown, that just really limits the long term flexibility. And then Bill, you have to come to grips with you could keep those guys together for a long time, but are you really going to be competing for championships year after year? I I think getting I think it's a more of a question of whether Dame wants to go to Boston, and I'm not going to start the. Because you know, and within the next couple of weeks, Bill's going to talk about Damian Lillard going to Boston. But you don't want the aggregators to aggregate the R. Bill Simmons pod. <laughs> the R. Bill Simmons podcast. Yeah, not not Dame the podcast. R. Bill Boston. Simmons podcast is saying that Dame was going to get traded to Boston. I'm pretty sure Dame has a no trade too. He has a no trade clause, and he could be like, "I don't want to go to Boston." It's simple as that. Like the the town the. No pun intended. The town does not have a good reputation. It's the whole reason why Anthony Davis didn't get traded to Boston. He didn't want to go to Boston. Um, oh yeah, that's though, right. yeah, because like that, they had the most assets, and they just, you know, they were like, he's just like, I don't want to go there. He's like, I don't want to go. And it's like, if Dame feels that way too, it's like he, he's not going to want to go to Boston, even if they have the most to trade him. So. Yeah. All right, so we on level two now, stomach punch. Yeah, level two, stomach punch. Uh, so yeah, so th- this is, you know, this is the bill is referencing specific ones here, which is good. We'll we'll get into them. So now we've moved into rarefied territory. Any roller coaster game? So already kind of like doesn't qualify for, for that game, but yeah, yeah, any roller coaster game that ends with a an opponent making a pivotal play or b one of your guys failing in the clutch usually ends with fans filing out of the game and stunned disbelief. If they can even move at all, always haunting, sometimes scarring their degrees to the stomach punch game, depending on the situation. Um, so for instance, Sunday's Kings Lakers. Yep. And then Monday's Celts Nets Celtics Celtics Nets game featured agonizing endings, uh, but they weren't as agonizing as Cleveland's Ernest Biner. Fumbling. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, fumbling no, against Denver when he was two yards and point two seconds away. Yeah, man, from sending the Browns to the Super Bowl. Interesting. Yeah. Did you do you know about that one? Because I, I don't. Know. I don't know about it until just reading it now. Yeah, it was. I forget what year it was. Um, I want to say it was mid to late eighties, and Cleveland. That was Cleveland had two shots against Denver, where they um they could have won- gone to the super bowl the first one was the the famous drive you know the drive where it was like uh elway was like at his own two and they forced um he got them and i think he scored a touchdown they went to overtime and denver won and then the second the i think it was the very next year it, one of these happened it was like back to back years biner was like nothing but green grass and one guy just stuck his arm out and just kind of punched the ball out and like Denver recovered it in the end zone. I think it was. And otherwise, like if he just holds on to the ball, like Cleveland goes to the Super Bowl, it was really like an out of nowhere play. So I'm trying to think of something that's more recent. Like, Oh, um, Ray Allen, I guess. Right. 
Mm. Yeah, so then would you combine stomach punch with uh what would be the other one? The um We're we're looking for oh dead men walking yeah so you would combine dead men walking with stomach punch for the Spurs for game six yeah because they had that game one the 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 stomach the the dead man walking was game seven but the stomach punch was game six that was they literally were if if Duncan's in that Duncan for whatever reason was taken out I remember watching it that's pop getting too cute definitely. yeah no he really did. It's like this guy's your best rebounder. Why are you taking him out of the game when you, if you grab a rebound, the, the game's over, you know? And he took him out. LeBron missed the tying three. Chris Bosch, who is about the same t- size as Duncan, grabbed the offensive rebound, just passed it out to Allen in the corner, and he hit the three to tie the game. Like that's the stomach punch. That's that the, the Ray Allen shot. So, yeah, I like that. Um, Bill's personal memory. <laughs> this is great. I, you just have to love Bill being such a Celtics fan. Magic draining the baby skyhook to topple the Celtics in game four of the 87 finals, capping off a Celtics collapse and preceding Bird nearly saving the game at the buzzer. He missed a 25 footer by a one hundred one hundredth of an inch. Jokers, this is interesting. This is this this is what Bill says. This is how the NBA changed over time. Okay. Well, so, thing Bird nearly missed the Bird nearly saved the game at the buzzer. He missed a twenty-five foot prayer. T- twenty-five foot shots or were prayers in the well? Eight? Okay, okay. He, this is actually something he's not. This is not hyperbole because it was basically a pass and shoot. Okay, and Bird was kind of. I I could I could always like I'll send this to you in the chat. But Bird, like I remember this play where. Bird gets the ball. I don't know if you remember him pump faking, but he has to almost turn to his right and just fling up a shot in the corner. And when I say it was one 100 foot ends, it really just missed going in. It like just went clunk and like popped out. And it really was like one of these things were coming out of his hand. It looks good. So this is the one time where I've kind of like Bill likes to talk about hyperbole. But if you actually watched the shot, it was like, oh, my God, how did Bird miss that? It was like – it looked like it really was going in. It was a, it was a really difficult shot that, you know, he had, he had attempted. The, the level – basically the level of difficulty to make this shot was, like, pretty high. Like, he had a hand in his face. He was falling out of bounds. And he was, like – it was a three-pointer. And it was at the buzzer. And he almost it almost went in. It really was – that it was you know it was like um it was kind of like when um gordon hayward for butler almost hit that half court oh yes good it was kind of like that except this one actually looked like it would have been more plausible if it went in but this one like because it's bird but it just it just missed he just missed it it was that close and and it once he missed it there was this overwhelming Oh, and it's like it, and like the whole air just went out of the stadium. Now, was so, this game a collapse though? Bill, Bill is saying it was a Celtics collapse, but I'm looking at this. I they were ahead. That. They were ahead by eight at halftime and seven going into the fourth quarter. They were outscored 
in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were at home. I would say that's it, – it's tough. I, I would say that's probably about as – you. if they take that – if they win that game, I think it, the series would have been tied 2-2. And – but I also feel like, you know, Bill doesn't like to say it, but it's like Lakers had home court in that series um, just because you, you blew game four does not – like even if he makes that shot, there's no guarantee Boston wins that series. Like that's that's not a guarantee. The '87 team was the team that was supposed to have Len Bias on the team, so and they didn't. So it, you know they were already you know in a way they were a man down. You know, <laughs> I'm looking at real. I'm looking at the box score of this game. Can, can you guess who went seven of nineteen from the field? Well. I'm kind of cheating because I have it up. I have it up too, but it's so bird bird goes seven of 19. Yikes. Hit two threes. He's so hot either. Kareem was five of 17. He's older though. The weirdest thing, the weirdest stat line is Danny Ainge going 11 of 21. (laughs) Though one, yeah, the one of seven for three. That is interesting. I wonder why he took so many shots. That was by, that was the most number of shots in the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, why was Danny Ainge? Why did Danny Ainge shoot the ball twenty-one times? That's your. There's your problem, there, pal. Like you know. Well, and then, and then look at this Lakers. They shot four three-pointers the entire game and made two. Yeah, I mean that was just <laughs> that was just how basketball was back then. Yeah, so that te- that tells you all you need to know. All right, so that yeah. So any anything else on the stomach punch game? The only thing I'll add too is like you look at their 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 bench or lack thereof it's like greg kite jerry seasting and darren dave were guys coming off the bench and it's like i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure <laughs> len bias even if he's terrible is probably playing much better minutes as the sixth man on that team so i get what bill's That's kind true. of yeah but almost i almost took it too far but i'm not going to be that mean about it if you look at if you look at um, the Lakers bench, it was Michael Cooper, Michael Thompson, and Kurt Rambis. That's not, that's a pretty good solid bench. You know they were going eat, eat deep. So, um, whereas the Celtics were just basically rolling out their starters for forty eight minutes. Yeah, I mean they would they would crucify these minutes being played in this day and age. I mean, for <laughs> Bird playing forty seven. I mean, why did why man. did Gary, why did why did Bird play till he was like thirty four? And then had to retire. Oh, because he played like 42 minutes a night and he played back the backs and he played 80 games a season on a bad back. You know, it's like that was he led the league in minutes at 40.6 minutes in 1986 87. He's 30. That's crazy. I think it also has to do, I do buy that story where it, it seems ridiculous, but it doesn't help if you're trying to like do, um, I think what was it like? He was like redoing his driveway. Yeah, he was paving, or was, was he snow snow shoveling, or repaving, or something? No, he was repaving it. Okay. It's like, it's like Larry, you're multimillionaire. What are you doing? So. Yeah, he's just uh, he's just a strange guy. But uh, okay, so. Yeah, so let's finish up with the last one, which obviously it doesn't factor into this, but it's just funny for. For the listeners, so level one, Bill just titles it that game. Definition, 
Game six of the 1986 World Series, one of a kind, given the circumstances and the history involved here, maybe the most catastrophic sports loss of our lifetime, personal memory, the only game that actually combined the guillotine and the stomach punch, no small feat. Let's just hope we never travel down that road again. Now, what I will say for this one is that I, we need to act, we need a time machine and we need some truth serum. Actually, no, never mind. We don't even need a time machine. We need truth serum. We gotta we gotta ask Bill Simmons, like, was he actually a Red Sox fan for this series? Because uh, the word is he was cheating on the Red Sox with the Mets while he was living in Connecticut after his parents really? when he was a kid. Really? Where where'd you hear this? Oh yeah, so he yeah, so he 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 is known as the Boston sports guy, but he grew up, I believe, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Hmm. And the Boston sports guy was an admitted play because he wanted to be the Boston guy for or he wanted to be the sports guy for a Boston-based website. Now, of course, he goes to Holy Cross, of course he goes to BU, Boston University, for um, grad school. But, I mean, was he the Boston sports guy because he happened to be living in Boston at the time? I don't know. I think it would be more plausible if it was he, his, his, I guess his, um, you can use the Sopranos reference, his Guma, was um, if he was watching hockey and he'd be a Hartford Whalers fan instead of a Bruins fan because Hartford's in Connecticut. But other than that, I can't, I don't know. I think he, I think he's a Red Sox guy. I I think it's just, why would he write a book before the book and basketball? Why would he write a book saying now I can die in peace and talk about it a lot, you know, getting that money, baby. That's true. No, no, I no, I agree with you. And like obviously his dad is a Celtics fan, so the Celtics are always in love. But no, I'm I'm referencing I f- I forget if it's in the it might be in, in the the Now I Can Die a Peace book, but he he definitely says that he was uh because he would get Mets games in Connecticut. Which is kind of cool. So it was very it was difficult for him as a kid to follow the Red Sox, and then he was he referenced that he's watching Dwight Gooden have this incredible season for the Mets in 86 and was like watching his starts. But I would call it, I would maybe call it a summer fling. I wouldn't say it's a <laughs> it's full, full cheating on, you know, spouse type of thing, but I would say it's probably a summer fling. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm giving, I'm giving. As, as, far, as, as far as I know, like everyone does talk like they really loved uh, Doc Gooden when he was there, like in his prime and it was like, would be hard not to. Right. I mean, that was incredible. Yeah. My question is, um, do you think since he wrote this, cause it was like 20 years ago since he wrote this, do you think he had anything of this level on his side or probably not nothing this close? I can't even say the 2010 Lakers Celtics finals was on this level. I can't not even close. Because they had just won, you know. But they but they didn't achieve immortality, which and he is referencing. I mean, very low on the list here. He's referencing. I mean, the stomach punches, game four, the eighty seven finals. That was the that was though the end of the run for them. 
for the Celtics that year. That was it. So in a way, yeah, you're right about that was the end of the run of the uh, early or early aughts um, tens Celtics. The the basically the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce Celtics. That was the beginning of the end. But the eighty seventh team was like once they lost that, that was it. It wasn't like they. I don't even know if they got to the conference finals after that. You know. Well, well, you want to? I don't know, man. I think. I mean, you want to talk. Bills, Bills claiming that the Celtics collapsed in the 87 finals game four. I'm looking at the box score and I remember this of the 2010 finals. Uh, the Celtics got outscored 30 to 22 in the fourth quarter. So they were, and they were ahead in the first quarter, 23 to 14. And of course, everybody knows the six for 24 Kobe game, but yeah, you look at the Celtics box score here. Ray Allen randomly shoots three for 14. Paul Pierce is five for 15. I watched that game too. I mean, I remember watching that just out of, you know, it was nothing on that day. And I, that's crazy. And I was like, yeah, it was like, it's very weird that Ray Allen is like completely taking the dunk here. He was really, really, really awful. And uh, so it was a very winnable game seven. But at the same time, you have to look at it. Kendrick Perkins, I got as much as you like. Oh, that was something. Maybe I should pause on this thing because I remember, I remember Bill talking about. Well, we didn't have Kendrick Perkins. Like, like Kendrick Perkins would have made a difference in Game Seven. Like, do you yeah, know sure. how bad Kendrick Perkins was when he was playing? Like, he had. They did have Rasheed Wallace and Big Baby Davis and Tony Allen on that team. But it's like he was acting like they lost, like you know, Garnett or, or some or, or Robert Parrish, you know. And it's like Kendrick just took up space. He was a guy who, who probably would have played Bynum pretty well, Andrew Bynum when he was good. But he's not someone who really, really was like that much of an impactful player. It's like the, they just had Rashid coming off the bench because and Rashid played. Pretty solidly in that um, game seven, he put up 11 and, 11 and eight. So it, it was like, I think it, it's just a thing where Pierce played poorly, Ray Allen played very poorly. And it was just, I think it was just like a combination of things. Like he blamed Kendrick Perkins getting hurt in game six as the reason why they lost that series. And I think that's nonsense, you know? Well, we remember the moment in that game was Meta World Peace making the three with the minute left. That, that that made it a six point game, not a three point game, and then Allen made a three, uh, ten seconds after that. But that was that would be a moment. No, I I would rank I'd rank that game pretty high. I'd I'd rank that game higher than this most recent game because that that would have lifted the Celtics. Uh, but think think about how much those Celtics dine on that one year. If the Celtics could have, could have gotten two championships in three years, I mean, man. On the flip side, if that means uh, Doc Rivers would probably still be the coach of the Sixers. <laughs> it's like, oh, he won two titles. It's like, I don't care. He still sucks. <laughs> like, he, he won despite he, – he, he really did have – they say he had four Hall of Famers, but if on that 2010 team they had Rasheed Wallace, I don't know if – I don't know if Sheed is a Hall – is Sheed a Hall of Famer? Do you know? I mean, yeah, he was good for a while. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, what what does Hall of Famer even mean, honestly? Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, he was good for a while. But yeah, no, that would have been immortality that they win in 2010. They have two of three and then even Bill's. Did, did you like how Bill's dad today said, we haven't won a, a championship in 15 years. It's been a long time. Is he just completely glossing over the Patriots? Dynasty? No, no, he was referencing the Celtics. But but you know what I mean, though. I mean, like people in the South picked up on this and said it's pretty absurd that he thinks that's long for an NBA team. And it's also a thing too where they've gone to the finals. Uh, they've been they've been pretty much good the entire time since they won a a, a championship. There's never been a down down year for them. You know, they, they haven't like been completely terrible because those picks that they got from that they drafted Jalen Brown and um what was it um Tatum like those were those were Nets picks and a, and a pick swap for the Sixers so it's like his this nonsense of like I think the only bad year they had was when the year they took uh Marcus Smart and it wasn't that bad it was like they were fifth or sixth worst there wasn't like a really horrific season you know but yeah, they've been good. They've been good for the last, you know, fifteen years. So what's he talking about? You know. So I don't know. It's it's just Celtics brain. Um, all right. So let, yeah. So let's get let's get an official ruling on this. Uh, I, mean, I mean, well, we could have difference of opinions on it. Yeah, I rank it. I mean, it's pretty. It's like it's top. I think it's top half for me. Like this is that that was a bad game because if I'm. I think what the thing that does bring it down for me is that it did seem like the Nuggets were probably going to win versus anybody. Who? Who? Against the Celtics in, in the finals. Oh, you, so that so that wait, brings it down. So that, oh, not down. That that makes it a little bit less of an intense game for Bill because he's already rationalizing the Celtics probably wouldn't have won the the championship. Oh, you mean? Oh, you're saying that he's already saying that the Nuggets would have beaten the Celtics? Is that what? Oh yeah, oh yeah, big uh, on today's pod, big time. Yes. Uh, see, I don't know about that. <laughs> I oh, think he's talking. Mean, I think he's talking about that, that will happen. I I think the Celtics matched up well against Denver, and I think like oh, um, you think so? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because they had Williams and Horford, and I think that. And someone like as weird as this sounds, like it goes back to the whole thing of if you can get like a short stout guy with a nice like a wingspan who can play defense, um, Jokic is not as unguard unguardable as you think he is. Like I, th- you can kind of mess with him a little bit, like throw him off his game a little bit. I'm not saying that they he wouldn't have still had a really great finals. I think that. But even someone like Grant Williams guarding him, because like the Sixers had the same strategy earlier in the season when they had PJ Tucker guarding Jokic, and it and it worked. Whether or not you think that's going to work for an entire seven game series, whatever. But I just think that in a couple of those games, like he could, they could have literally thrown anyone who was kind of like a stout player, like Williams or Horford or um, Grant Williams, like or I'm sorry, um, Robert Williams and Grant Williams, but to slow him down, I think they would have done their best. You know, I think they had bodies is what I'm saying, like warm bodies. And that's kind of why if we're going into the finals preview, it's like I said, I said before we started, I said, 
it feels like David versus Jokic here. It's like a <laughs> David versus Goliath because it's like the problem with the Heat is like unless Bam Adebayo is really going to lock down Jokic, which I don't think he will because I think Adebayo is an overrated player. Like they got no no answers for him, just none. It's it's not a good matchup for Miami, and as much as it would be just kind of awesome that you know. Miami pulls us off. It's just, it's just to me, it's unlikely. It's unlikely that they could pull this off because I just don't think that they have. That's the other thing about Denver. They got more length. They have more size, and it's a thing where if they get in a funk with with their offense, they could always Jokic could always create something. Like he's probably the the best offensive player in the game right now. Whether you want to say his defense, I think his defense is not very – I don't think it's great. I really don't. But, like, you can you can get to him. But that's such an un, that's such a great advantage for Denver, plus the element of playing a mile high up. It's like Denver's going to have home court, and Denver's going to have, um, you know – just just the element of playing in Denver. And I just don't think that Miami has the bodies. Plus, I don't know if Tyler Hero is going to play. I, I have no idea what that's going on right now. I haven't heard that. So, but. so what's your official prediction? I think Denver in five. I know that sounds anticlimactic, but it just, it's not a good matchup for them. I I think Hero might come back. I hear I'm hearing that he might come back. Um, they're saying that his target is actually not till game three though, is um, another week away. And even then, it's like he's going to have to get back in a rhythm, you know, because it's a it's a shooting hand. He's going to have to get back on the rhythm of, you know, where he was before. I will say, the series will be very interesting if it's one one. Because I think it's a thing where I think Miami's going to have a little bit easier time scoring, but I think they're going to have a harder time stopping Denver just on offense, or I mean on defense. But hey, you know, suppose the best coach in the league. But I also think Mike Malone's a really good coach too. So, um, all right, let's. That's that's pretty much all I got to say about Denver Miami because. Obviously, I don't think anyone predict, predicted that when the playoffs started. No, so. no. Was there like Israel Gutierrez is like the one guy, and he said he over Nuggets in seven. I, I got to yeah, I think he picked that. I think he picked that before the conference finals, and he's also a Heat beat writer, so he's just kind of uh, okay. Yeah, it's not like it's it's like some random guy in Oklahoma is like I'm going to pick the Heat over the Nuggets in the finals. It's like what? Like he's kind of a homer on that, so. You know, that's just fine. But, hey, I I think that he – it just kind of depends on whether or not they could slow Jokic down. And I just – I don't know if they have the bodies. It's That's what it is. Yeah. No, I, I got a sweep. I, I, th- I think this is his coming out party. I think um, – I mean, like, B- Bill was basically making fun of Jalen Rose for his – he didn't say it by name, but Bill was making fun of media members – not understanding that Jokic is so good. Yeah, this is coming out party. This is this will be the evolutionary MJ winning uh 
the finals after Carl Malone wins the MVP. Like this is this is oh, just oh ho oh, oh, ho oh, oh. ho hold on a second hold on a second well and Bede's MVP is already under scrutiny here you do you know this right yeah I understand that but you know <laughs> you didn't you didn't have to railroad me there oh. no no I'm just I, I'm just I'm just sta- I'm stating the facts how I interpret them if uh if he does sweep if he sweeps I mean man but on the flip side if Jokic if if the Heat beat Jokic Jokic lost to an eight seed. I can do that too. <laughs> yeah, but are they? I'm, but my thing is the Heat already expended all that energy, and now yeah. they go to the altitude. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it was wise of them. It was bold of them too. I thought that was the funny thing about they had booked a flight to Denver. Like, yeah, that was great. Yeah. That was awesome. Like, hey, that's ballsy, but I like it. It, it, it for them. It's like I think they're. I think it's like attitude wise and strategy in terms of coaching i think that you know miami is the best te- like i don't want to say they're the best team but like they're so have, you you couldn't you could imagine them if they had one or two more guys to beat denver it just it, it's just tough when a lot of their guys are like six eight or shorter and Jokic is a good solid seven feet tall like cody zeller's not gonna do a damn thing against Jokic. like come on like he, he just can't can't stay in front of him. So, and I, and Kevin Love's not going to be able to guard him either. So it's like it, it's that's the hard part. It's like they don't have the personnel. Lakers, despite getting swept, the Lakers really they did a they did it in some of these games. They did a pretty solid job against him at times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Think, yeah. So, but, um. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. This is going to be over in five games with Denver. It, it just, it, it's not. If had it gone the other way and Boston would have won, it was like, I I hate to say, it, but I was like, I think Boston's going to be Denver because it's just just the momentum of it. It's like it's almost like it, it's it, it's meant to be. You know, you come down three zero, even against it, even if it's against an eight seed, it's like. To come back and be the first team to do that, it's like you almost feel like they're going to close the deal, you know? Interesting. Yeah. yeah, well, I think Bill, I mean, he's rationalizing the Celtics losing with they weren't going to beat the Nuggets. Whether he actually truly thought that entering game seven or actually thinks that and is just kind of saying it to himself, who knows? But at least that's his, uh, that's his public talking point. All right, so we got anything else we got to cover here? Um, I think we did a pretty pretty good job here, and then um, yeah, I mean this is going to be we're we're giving a lot to the audience here. This is going to be a great. I mean, this is and this look. If you've made if you have made it this far, I've been saying this on all the pods recently. If you have made it this far, what you need to do is when we post this, which we will probably do, you'll probably be listening to this. Wednesday morning because I'll post it then. So listen to it Wednesday morning to Wednesday afternoon. Go to the go to <laughs> go to the subreddit post I will make on this podcast. Upvote us and give us a comment. We are winning over the Twitter audience. The Twitter audience likes the memes. We're getting yeah. followers. We were talking about that on the show. That's great. Um we need to win over the R. Bill Simmons audience. So if you're on R. Bill Simmons, or even if you're not, make a name. But if you're on the sub, support us. For some reason or reasons, and there's a few that 
might have a little bit of legs, but I still disagree with that. But for whatever reason, the sub is against creative pursuits of various sub members. I think that's ridiculous. We want to win them over. So help us out. Leave a comment or two. Say you're enjoying the pod and we will uh, be highly appreciative of that going forward. One more, one more thing before we go. Um, uh, do you want to spend a couple minutes um, and we can have help from the, the audience on this. And that's why I wanted to see, save it for the end. But the concept of the, uh, the draft we're going to do. So yes. Yeah. We're, we're cooking up a ringer draft. So it's going to be, I mean, and, and I'll, I'll admit inspired by Bill Simmons uh, doing his succession draft. So ringer draft and what's, what's going to be the game plan here is we're going to have, yeah, I think it, it's going to be between probably four to six people. Um, if you are interested in doing this, if you're hearing this again, if you're listening to this podcast all the way through, if you want to be part of the ringer draft, um, let us know, DM us or message us on the Twitter page or on, uh, on, um, the Reddit, but basically the, the game plan is going to be, you got four to six people are going to draft four to six people each. And the goal is make the best possible media company with all the people on the draft board. So I think, yeah, jokers, that's going to be a blast and it's going to be snake draft too. So like, look, if you, if you like Bill Simmons, great. I mean, he's probably going to go pretty high at the number one, but if you draft Bill Simmons, you're going to be drafting a uh, 10th or whatever it is or whatever, 12th. So it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, 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 I can't remember if it was you or me or someone in our fantasy football league that came up with the idea, but it was just like, and I was like, hey, this isn't, it's a pretty good idea. It's like, it's like we've seen this all the time with like um, fake drafts where there was the succession draft and all that stuff. And I was like, what if we just had, um, you know, just based on rigor personalities and just said, hey, we're going to throw this out there and, you know, pick them, you know, and it's like, who, what's a, what's the best media thing? So. Yes, that'll be good. If, if you are, if, again, if you're listening and either want to participate or if you've got ideas, um, let us know, but yeah, jokers, I think, I think this was good. I think this was great. Um, we will, we should, be, we should leave um, a link to the, um, we should leave a link to the, the article too. the uh, loves of losing article. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet. I'll, I'll be tweeting that out uh, with the, the episode, but look, man, like we're given, we're giving the listeners a lot here. This is going to be great. Um, I, I, the title for this is just fantastic. The play on the, um, the truly sad day, uh, <laughs> truly sad week in America and the 2005 draft rules, but this will be good. And yeah, like people look, I, I got to say this, like people are enjoying the pod. We appreciate the fans out there. We, we appreciate all, all the love and support you're giving the pod. And, you know, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be a good time. Um, you know, I think we'll, but the, the sub and people and Bill Simmons fans in general, I mean, like if we have another dry season of Bill Simmons taking a six week vacation, if we have that again, People are going to be fucking clamoring for this podcast. I will say that. So if 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 you truly you're in need of some content, um, I I think stick stick around in this feed. Stick around, and um, you know, and if you want to be a guest too, by all means, always let us know as well. All right, all right, Ben. 
Nice. All right. That was good, man. And um, yeah, until uh, until next time, we'll uh, we'll see everybody around the sub and on Twitter. All right. Good job by you. Cheers. Cheers.